Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. This is RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited Network. We're a little bit behind time here. The uh, race start is now going to be five past four rather than on the nosy four o'clock because of some support categories that have run a little later than planned. Pit lane is now open, so these are the uh, cars working their way out, all 31 of them, around the track and to the dummy grid. And fingers crossed, the number 23 Rob Hode's car will be there after it has needed to be repaired. There's the new Aston Martin just going through the shop there. Ref Racing Norma. The stream of cars is ready to be released. Number 30 car, another of the Normas that dominated qualifying in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Top seven cars in the order ended up in the Norma M30s. Needle nose car and very effective in a straight line, and of course, with the massive Mistral straight. That's a mighty advantage here. Ligier's looking to do what they can do to hang on in there. Might well come back to them in race pace. We'll wait and see what uh, the next two hours of track action bring to us. But uh, they know they've got it all to do here, the Ligier teams. We are on the shorter version of the Paul Ricard circuit, by the way, because last year we were using the Mistral chicane. So that was another overtaking opportunity 12 months ago as she came out of turn seven, the left-hand kink, Halfway, round, halfway down the Mistral straight, hard on the brakes, left and right and left again. This time, um, as we have had, in, I think two years ago, the full Mistral was on offer for uh, those competing. So maybe we're going to be doing it alternate years. Who knows? But now we've got a 1.1 mile, 1.8 kilometre straight to try and get a draft. 54 car, one of the additions to the GT numbers this year and anybody that follows other endurance racing including the 24 hours series will be familiar with SPS Performance Automotive that is a car from that outfit number two car there Nielsen Racing aka last year the Courier Cost Nielsen and as you'll notice the brake car has switched from being a Ligier last year to being a Norma this year for Colin Noble and Tony Wells was coming round to form up the grid. That's that long, long straight underneath the bridge into scene corner. Absolutely flat. Fantastic. Yeah, and several cars getting that a little wrong, going, uh, turning right there and dropping a couple of wheels over the kerb. And some didn't make the corner, frankly. And Absolutely. thankfully, there's not a, a wall there or a tyre barrier. Uh, which you are going to collect because, I mean, we're talking tens of feet of a runoff area there, but it will scrub the tyres a little bit, particularly if you get to the red asphalt, which is deliberately high friction and wrecks the Michelin tyres. New look for RRM Sports with a new driver squad as well. The car in the hands of Christian Olsen transfers over from Mercurio Cost Nielsen from last year. We had no little success with the team in the LMS. A couple of Second place is coming their way, but uh, here at Paul Rickard, and for the majority of the season, but not quite all the season, will be joined by none other than his father. And the pair, father and son, very used to racing with each other, both race in historic Formula 3, that's something they still do. Tom uh, has record as well of some success in 
Radical Racing, number nine car there, part of the Graf Racing effort. Just had a quick shot, I think it was Mikkel Mack, wasn't it, uh, from the Lusic Racing Team, an ex-ELMS champion. Yes, well, he is due to be racing yep, um, and, uh, in this category. He's reigning GT Open GT champion. We're in the interesting position where actually the GT3 championship winners from last year have stayed on for an extra season. So Giacomo Piccini and Sergio Pianazzola, the current LMP3, or the current rather GT3 Le Mans Cup, Michelin Le Mans Cup champions, back for another year. However, in LMP3 world, both Jens Pettersen and Leonard Hugenboom have moved on into the ELMS, which is a sort of natural progression if you're yep. in LMP3. You don't have the option of doing that if you're running GT3 cars because there isn't yet a GT3 class in ELMS, although we have had one in the past. We have, uh, but of course, Kessel Racing have moved onwards and upwards. So two cars in GT3 here in the Michelin Le Mans Cup, two cars in GTE in the European Le Mans Series for tomorrow. Still, these cars form up. Two more of the GT cars there in the middle of the shot. In fact, three of them on the Ferraris. Then the two Scuderia Velorba Corsa cars, the bright orange. Lamborghini Huracan GT3 the older spec not the Evo spec with that car and then for me one of the most spectacular um, kind of uh, liveries on this or any other grid here this weekend the SVC Mercedes AMG in black and gold looks fantastic yep uh, two very different paint schemes as you say, Joachim Fried in the 43 and Michael Markerson sharing that Kio racing car. They threatened to be on the front couple of rows during qualifying, knocked back to 10th place in the end. But it'll be Markerson to start that car. There's the five car. Johnny was saying a little earlier in a little bit of trouble with uh, contact with one of the United cars, resulting in a suspended penalty for that car. Here's one of the trio of Cool Racing Ligiers, the number four car, with the silvered blue finish aero paints on these three cars and they do look stunning in the sunshine the John Showerman and Nico Ronde car that is and Mikey Benham in the 25 Lannan Racing Norma had a bit of time again at the top of the charts it's sort of synonymous these days with LMP3s you get so many different team names and so many different drivers at any one point through qualifying that gets even more intense when you get to LMP3 in the ELMS championship but we had several eyeing pole position before they were pipped to the post by Francois Kerman and Adrian Schiller for Graf so Lusic Racing pole position as you saw there in the GT class and uh, this is a team comes into ACO Rules Racing with entry here for this car and also a parallel entry in the LMS with Fabian Laverne actually stepping across between both joined in the LMS by reigning world champion Alessandro Pierguidi here by said a little earlier reigning international GT Open champion Michael Mack and ex-GT champion in the LMS Jacques Wolf one of the standouts from last year yeah, Fabian Levent, still relatively inexperienced. He did a couple of ELMS races, a couple of Le Mans Cup races last year for CD Sport. He did a one-off appearance in the ELMS at Red Bull Ring for DKR Engineering last year too. But other than that, of significant endurance racing, it's just those three, the man from Aquitaine. But uh, 
33 years old, getting more and more racing under his belt. He was impressive in qualifying. Yeah. Uh, I have to say, I didn't expect that from Fabian Laverne. No. Uh, and he just blitzed it. So Ferrari from Ferrari, and then the 35 Krypton Motorsport Mercedes are the top three GT3s on the grid, ahead of another Ferrari from Spirit of Race. It does look like it's all enormous, though, that are the strongest cars in LMP3. I realise a two-hour race is very different from single-lap qualifying, though, and the Ligier teams will have set up their cars to be strong across the race, rather than worry about the Normas disappearing on the first lap, as I'm sure they will, down the Mistral. We've talked about the Ferraris, we've talked about the Lamborghini, about the Aston Martin. Just a quick uh, shot there of the new Porsche 911 GT3R from EP Motors, another team on both of our grids this weekend. This is another of the cool racing cars. This is the 74 Ligier. The way to tell the difference between these, these three are those colour-keyed Stripes on the side and the mirrors. Green for the 74. We've also got orange and pink. Morris Smith, I think, put into that car for the opening stint, and that means Victor Bludgeon is still to come. Victor not doing qualifying in the 74 cool racing car. But uh, again, the crowd here um, are enjoying free entry to get into the grandstands to enjoy a Michelin Le Mans Cup Saturday and then of course the first ELMS race of the year the four hours of Le Castellet tomorrow and I'm sure those that have turned up on spec today will be eager for more endurance racing on Sunday where the weather is set fair once again this is the BHK car I reckon with the orange door mirrors and orange air intake as well good fans of all ages Nick Rosberg here of course Grain Market Racing, which is a car prepared by Nielsen Racing, and it's Alex Mortimer. On to watch, I think, uh, Mark Crader. Mark Crader's the other driver, yeah. Uh, made his qualifying debut in the Michelin Mon Cup a little earlier and was in the mix there. And with Alex Mortimer to come with that car, uh, a man of no little talent and no little achievement in motorsport with... Uh, racing in all sorts of GT and prototype cars and a British GT cha- a championship behind him as well. Yes, but that was a, a little while ago, but I do remember it, remember it just about. Um, two radical championships for Mark Crader last year, by the way, the Euro Masters for Supersports and the Masters class as well. So, not uh, messing about them. Certainly not. Nine wins along the way in the, um, in the, in the main class for the Radical Works crew. There is Al Mortimer, and he'll be making sure that's... Mark is happy with that car before we make our way away. It's a good-looking livery, by the way, that car, particularly underway. The, the grey base livery may look on the face of it. You see the thing out on track, and it's, uh, it's a good-looking car, as is this Graf Racing car. Father and son, Père et Fille, Trulier. Yeah, and Eric put in a good time early on, Did I remember, it? and then it was deleted, and I feared... He might have to settle for a start outside the top ten, but Eric Trier uh, got his head down, didn't let that bother him, and set another lap as well of uh, equal competitiveness. So sharing with Adrian Trier once again. Uh, He's been racing for ten years now, Eric, relatively late to the game, but making up for it now with uh, racing virtually every other weekend last season. 
has even done a World Endurance Championship. Well, that was the Le Mans uh, event, of course, that he did in 2017 as part of the WEC Championship. Here's another of our newcomers this year, the number 11 car, the racing experience car. It will be Charlie Martin to start the car, and Charlie, I thought, a spectacular mm. entrance here to this championship. Yes, fourth on the grid for the racing engineering pilot from Leicester originally. And in racing, third on the grid, Mikey Benham putting in that time. Of course, it's the bronze driver that qualifies the car in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Duncan Tappy once again joins Mike. <laughs> Saying hello to everyone at home there, I think. I, I'm hoping so. Hello, Charlie, and indeed, hello, Chloe. So Mikey Benham with the opening stink. Duncan Tappy will therefore take the car over at roughly an hour's uh, run into the race. And there is a pit stop window in this race. Uh, do not forget. So you can pit at any point from 55 minutes in to 65 minutes in. Uh, and as long as each driver does a minimum of 55 minutes, we have seen that window in the past pushed to its very limit. And actually, drivers only able to do the 55 minutes they require in the second bit because the race has run beyond the chequered flag. Therefore, what I mean by that is the leader's gone past the timing line and the chequered flag needs to come out sort of right behind it, but they ran the extra lap, therefore the best part of two minutes. And that's the only way that sometimes in the past a driver has managed to do 55 minutes. But it's a dangerous game to play. You'll see that most of the field will pit well in that 10-minute window. This is our pole-sitting car, Francois Kierman. It was that uh, put in that time. And an excellent time it was too. We've had some fabulous qualifying action earlier today in both the Michelin Le Mans Cup and for ELMS. They'll want to move that pole. It'll be in the way. I think ultimately they will. It's fine for uh, the grid presentation right now, which has been well subscribed. Lots of people down on the grid whether they are officials or just fans, and that's the accessibility that the Michelin Le Mans Cup and the European Le Mans Series boasts. Always has done, and uh, that's set to continue in 2019. The sun and the moon visible in the sky, 17 degrees Celsius, 22 down on track level, and 51% humidity, so it's very comfortable out there, actually. Gilles Duquesne in the wheelchair there. Gilles Duquesne now the man behind the Norma M30 LMP3 efforts, uh, his engineering organisation taking on that programme from Norbert Santos's organisation about a year ago now. Doors remain open on car number 96 from Cool Racing. Pierre Fion, the president of the ACO, the organising club behind the Le Mans 24 Hours and uh, there in the Gilier, walking out of shots, Gerard Neveau. And the three-minute board has just been displayed to all the drivers. So we're not very far away now from this, as I say, slightly delayed start. The one-minute board is due in about 90 seconds. There's the Beach Dean, Aston Martin. It's a fabulous-looking beast. It's a very much a, a variation on the Beach Dean-themed uh, livery for that car. Still the number 99, of course, with a, a nod towards the ice cream theme of Andrew Howard's core business crowd and I always do get a crowd here locally um, enjoying the sunshine and the fact that it's not too hot yes it's just perfect actually 
Yes, I think that's a draw as well. I mean, this meeting has been held later on in the season when it, uh, it gets very, very warm indeed in the months of uh, July and August. So the sensible move was made a couple of years ago to shift this to the start of the year. That also meant that there could be a lengthy prologue leading into it back in the days when the World Endurance Championship was a summer championship. So you had WEC and ELMS cars here in a mini enduro festival. We are still partway through the World Endurance Championship season, of course, with two rounds yet to come. So no WEC cars here this week. And I understand the plan is to get them all down to Barcelona later on in the year. Yeah, we'll have a prologue for the um, WEC for next season in Barcelona, just a few days after... Uh, the ELMS race, which now will be a Saturday race and into full darkness. That's right. Finishing at 10.30 at night. Yes, just that announcement coming out on a press release a couple of days ago. Um, So in recent years, that will be a first for the European Le Mans series. Um, Pedants may argue that in 2012, the season did end with uh, the Petit Le Mans, the the, the 12 hours, the 10 hours there. But only for the LMP2 cars. Okay. yes. So I reckon Barcelona this year will be our first true, as a championship, first true night race, starting at 6.30. For the ELMS as a whole. For the European Le Mans series. that's completely right. Le Mans series we have had. We have had uh, races ending in darkness, notably into Lagos back in the day. Yeah, 2007. There's the the EP Motors Porsche. We have got a very good-looking pair of grids this year. Very tasty indeed. And 21 LMP3 cars add to that 10 GT3 machines and yeah it's uh, again challenging to get all these cars through the first sequence of corners because it's a busy start opening to the, the lap. start of the formation lap uh, the left and the right there are the co- sequence of corners and then down towards Virage du Lotel, hotel, hotel corner very tricky indeed to get everyone through safely but we wish them well because the green flag is now waved for the start of the formation lap and a brand new season for the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Weaving is quite evidently starting already, but that's also quite a dangerous game to play depending on how shallow or deep your uh, winding is because contact has been made previously in oh, other yes. championships on the formation lap. Do not want to see that. Just uh, going through the shot there. That was the well, dark grey and... Well, burnt orange colours of RRM Sport. New livery for this season for the LMS, LMP3 champions. As said, father and son, Tom and Christian Olsen, the crew for this race and for much of the season in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Well, new stories to be written, new history to be written, new champions to be crowned some months from now. But the stories are going to start here. And uh, this has always been... Since the Le Mans series and now the ELMS. The line is a little bit too big. We need to close the gaps. We need to close the gaps. I've told the leading car to increase the speed. No, I don't like interrupting Eduardo. No, well, it's, uh, yeah. he's the, he's the uh, man of authority, so uh, the last person you want to cross is Eduardo Freitas. I sense, though, that uh, the message is slowly getting through to the drivers out front. Francois Kerman is starting to ease back a little bit and that was Adrian Schiller almost getting alongside just as Kerman started to weave erratically and that's what I mean it's so easy to make contact on this formation lap everyone's playing nicely so far 
if you get one car speeding up as the other one tries to get heat in the brakes, it's disaster. So this is the Mistral straight. And then the very fast entry into senior corner, which has run off. But that's the very slow route through there if you decide to take to the blue curvy. And in a moment or two, fingers crossed, and uh, under Eduardo Freitas' instruction, these cars will be too abreast for a rolling start. So unlike some of the support categories we've had on the bill this weekend as well that have been standing starts, this is the traditional uh, Le Mans-style starts, endurance-style start, with the cars just working their way over the line at 80 kilometres per hour. New pit in arrangements here, new pit out arrangements here. Much of the rest remains the same. It will be the same pit window. Remind drivers the start is only after they cross the start line under the gantry with the start lights. It will be the same fixed points. Pit stop times. Which, with my understanding, to be 150 seconds, by the way, for pit stops. That's certainly the way of LMP3 and ELMS, anyway. And it tends to be the same number. Should check that. Note to self for Monza. Anyway, here are the cars then. They are neck and neck. Noah's are two by two. And the cars then about to get underway ahead of a brand new season of the Michelin Le Mans Cup. The lights are red on the gantry at the moment, but at exactly five past four in the afternoon, two hours of Michelin Le Mans Cup racing gets underway now with LMP3 and GT3 cars virtually neck and neck. CD Sport making a good move there down towards the first corner. Are they all going to get through the corner, the left and the right? For the first time of Aston safely, there's a Ferrari very slow mid-pack there. That looked a little bit like the Lurkic car, and there is a car off track as well, which is Kia Racing, number 43. Virtually side-by-side side for the lead, Francois Kerman ahead of Adrian Schiller, and those two running the risk here of breaking away from everybody else. I think it was, and this racing car had a slow start there, and that looks to me like Fabian Laverne just dropping back mm. a little there in the pack. Has dropped behind the Castle car, certainly. So something went awry with the start to Fabian's race. We might see, uh, get another chance to see that again at some point. So has it retained? The GT lead is the next question because there's a Mercedes behind, but I reckon Sergio Pianazzola... Sorry, I've misidentified it. The Lusic racing car has actually had a storming start. So it's it's, way ahead. That's it's okay. the 51 car that was dropping back. Right. And in fact, the Lusic racing car going up the inside of the, uh, the Nielsen Racing Norma. Well, I led you in the wrong direction there, saying it might have been the Lucy racing car slow into turns one and two. Actually, that was Christoph Ulrich, and Fabian Laverne thinks he's driving an LMP3 car here because he's up to sixth place, maybe even fifth now within that category. Unbelievable start. Just goes to show this is a place that straight line speed is rewarded, and nothing slow or straight line about a GT3 Ferrari, and particularly well pedalled one. That's very true, and maybe tyre temp. Uh, has built up underneath that Ferrari a little quicker than the LMP3s. We'll see whether they can start to now establish themselves as the faster machinery, but there's no doubt about a Ferrari being in sixth place overall, and those at Lusik Racing very happy indeed for the first foray for the 
number 71 in that guise and uh, under their entry. Sergio Pinazzola, by the way, in the number eight Kessel Racing car, is up to 11th after that first lap. So another GT3 car making very rapid progress in this early lappery. Car engineering in the hands of Francois Kerman getting away just a little from Adrian Chiller. Mike Benham uh, continues on in third position ahead of Eric Trollier. Those four separated by under four seconds. There might be a little bit of movement down in the pit lane early on, but I think everyone's okay. We're looking at a pit stop in about an hour's time, effectively. 55 minutes in will be the earliest you'd want to take your, your mandatory pit stop inside the regulations. But a clean run so far for a lap and a half. A chance to catch the start again. There was some overlapping, I noticed. I think right after the red lights were extinguished. We haven't had the usual message on the screen about the start being investigated for anything. So, although the overlapping started very early on, I oh, reckon the lights were out. There was a hit. There was certainly a hit there that involved the Kia racing car. You saw it wide with, uh, with, with the replay, Johnny. We saw... The, the opportunity to see there was contact with the 43 car but uh, who, who was the contact with didn't see that no. and that I think was part of the sequence of events that allowed the number 71 car to make up the ground that it did a couple of bits of bumping and boring there without a shadow of a doubt yep. the Mercedes that runs third in class with Mara Calamia doing the opening stint so that means it will be Roberto Pampanini to do the second stint and almost as if I predicted it and wished it to happen, which I didn't, the race start is under investigation. That's normally just a standard message and they'll check everything out uh, as far as the transponders are concerned. Did they trip in order according to the grid? But that takes a little bit of time to assess. It'll be done in race and then in about 10 to 15 minutes time we'll get another message telling us either no further action or there might be some penalties. Well, one car that did make spectacular progress from the very start of the race is the car that's currently running in 22nd position. It's J.M. Lippmann in the number uh, 12 Euro International car. You'll recognise that one from being the Ligier that is very much looking like a Graf racing car. It's because it is a Graf racing car, a late replacement for the team's two cars that were removed from the circuits in what we can only, uh, only describe at this point as legal disputes between parties. So those two cars, one for this race, one for the European Le Mans series, have been replaced. Um, regardless of which way that goes for Euro International, you have to give them credit for their quick thinking and their contacts within the sport to be able to source two brand oh, yeah. new cars, or not brand new cars, but cars elsewhere, and get them to the track as quickly as they did. So uh, it, it's not exactly the weekend they planned, no. but uh, it's back on track, shall we say. Absolutely, and that indeed is yesterday's news. Today's news is that the race is being led five minutes in now by DKR Engineering. Francois Kierman, Madrian Chiller, Mike Benham, Eric Trollier, Charlie Martin hanging on in there in, in fifth place in the number 11 racing experience, Norma. Then the Lizzie Racing GT car hanging on in sixth position overall. Cracking starts. Fabian Leverne certainly is and uh, yeah, the gap between him and Charlie Martin is only 3.1 seconds it is steadily growing though and I think that's going to be the way of things for the rest of the race car number three Francois Kerman coming through Virage Dupont there and heading back over the line 2.77 seconds is the margin and then it's about the same Back to Mikey Benham in the Lannan Racing Norma M30. All the LMP3 cars powered by the, the 
same type of Nissan 5-litre engine as they're now jostling for position, shoulder to shoulder if you like, and around the outside here comes Eric Truyer, can he make that move stick? To be fair, oh, Benham contact. is giving him racing room, and the slightly better momentum for the Brit gave him the place. Now, are the two behind? Can Charlie Martin look into this? I wonder. Not quite, but she's giving it a good old go. Fifth position for Charlie. It was uh, what you might call a spirited discussion about track position. And if I were you, Chloe and Charlie, I wouldn't be arguing with Dad about Pokemon anytime <laughs> soon. Laps improving all the time. Jacques Wolf impressive in the CD Sport car as he tries to close in on Fabian Laverne up ahead. And Mark Crader running in ninth place, but eighth in class, uh, doing a good job as well. Oh, two cars, three cars, four cars running on the infield there. What is going on there? Well, there's one in the background that is facing the wrong way too. So is that's that the Kia racing. racing car that uh, spins around and the rest go off in avoidance, effectively? Just as the team manager from Kia Racing is towards race control, so that's not a great start, I'm afraid, from the 43 car. Impressed in qualifying, I'm afraid that's been thrown away. Francois Kerman faster again that time around, so brought his best time down to a 53.5 now. To watch the moment, uh, Andrew Howard making his way through the GT field. Remember, he started from the back. It was a final penalty, I think, for the Beach Dean AMR crew, which was why they started at the back of the grid. He's now picked up three places in class, four places in class, rather. Runs in 25th position overall, seventh now uh, in the GT class, and getting onto terms with the SPS Automotive car ahead. Very crowded house heading through the right-hander at Bose corner. The double right turns 9 and 10. And now heading to Gondor, the left-hander. Garlabat is the next one, a lingering right-hand corner with a, a significant chunk of kerb on the inside, but generally the cars stay off that. Now into Virage du Lac and Dupont, which are the corners that finish the lap. Lake corner and bridge corner, effectively. And those cars then neatly arranged two Mercedes AMGs and an Aston Martin the new Vantage AMR in the GT3 spec heading over the line with Andrew Howard as you say with a bit of ground to make up so he's got Zanutini just ahead in his GT3 Mercedes that's Marco Zanutini and also involved is Dexter Muller in the SPS Automotive Performance Crew remember the Aston Martin with a derivative of the same AMG V8 engine. Good point, yes. Drive through penalty is coming the way of the number 43 car for a jump start. So, jump start, then contact, then a spin uh, marks the start of proceedings for Kia Racing. Fabian Laverne going even quicker that time. So, it's a fastest lap in GT3 once more, a 156.634 from the Frenchman. As I say, still relatively inexperienced, certainly in GT3 racing. Has done a couple of Le Mans Cup races. He did an ELMS outing last year as well in Austria. But other than that, of uh, top-level motorsport such as this, he hasn't done a great deal, but making up for lost time, car 71. Now in seventh place overall. And Jack Wolf, I think, has just got by. Yes, he has in the CD Sport car. So that's the multicoloured LMP3 machine, the black, yellow, orange and white car. CD Sport returning for another season in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Yeah, lose its racing, beginning to drop back uh, behind some of these increasingly confident LMP3 cars. 
So the thing to watch now is going to be the time difference between Lusic Racing's 71 car and the Kessel Racing uh, number 8 car, Sergio Pinatola. And that time at the moment is something like seven seconds. So it's been uh, progress in terms of time and position for the 71. An excellent opening uh, stint at the moment from Fabian Levin. The other thing to look at for is Wayne Boyd slicing his way through the order. The 24 car did not have a great qualifying session, but the Ulsterman wasting no time at all. He's up to seventh place now with the Nielsen Racing Tony Wells-driven car up ahead. That's the best place then in United Autosports entries, number 24. And the best place, Ligier, as well, by some distance, point, actually. Yep. Uh, yes, the next, uh, so, so we've got... Uh, Wayne in seventh position. Next up is uh, is Christian Olsen, who started the number 14 car. He's another man that's made real progress in the early stages of the race. So he currently sits in 12th position and looking to go into terms with Maratiotto in the second of the DKR cars, the green car that had the woes yesterday. More dicey for third place. Eric Truier way out off the road at senior corner again and there is going to be a drive-through penalty for a jump start for car 43 man that car cannot buy any luck at all a spin on the opening lap also an incident into turn three just a handful of laps ago the Kia racing entry and now it's been pinned for a jump start overlapping too many cars as they came over the line no change for third despite Eric Trier now there is charging up the inside of the final corner Benham giving no room at all on the exit of that bend and he can draw level as a result because he went way over the curb. This will give the Lannan Racing number 25 the inside line as they head towards Verdi for the next lap. There are yellow flags out at turn nine, but they've now been withdrawn and Truier gets the place. I'm not at all sure he did that. <laughs> <laughs> Nor me, frankly, unless Benham realised he'd gained a bit of an advantage running off the road. I mean, that's how he added the extra speed. Well, if there was a bit of whatever's good for the goose is good for the gander there. Truyer squeezed him off the track. Yeah, but, I'm not sure he could... I'm not sure he did it deliberately. Truyer loses grip, turning left through, what, turn four. They're now at Virage du Comte corner, and Lannan Racing, Mikey Benham, certainly not given this up yet. If he gets a good run out of seven, he might well be able to drag along. And who's this Charlie Martin, Martin getting involved again in fifth place? Great but, racing. But closing rapidly on this group of three, you can see just there through the heat haze, that is Wayne Boyd with the fastest lap of the race last time around, the 152.825. was race-leading pace, and he is taking advantage of this scrap to just draw closer and closer. Yeah, Boyd in the background then with the slightly different nose arrangement on the Ligier. Obviously a very different car design, although it runs the same engine. They virtually all run off the track there. This battle for third position at senior corner. Truyer, Benham, Martin, nothing between them. Great stuff from all three. And Wade Boyd now, Wayne Boyd now with the fastest lap of the race, a 152.8, so Ligier is nowhere this weekend apparently uh, compared with the Normas well it has Apart the fastest the lap. lap so far so under four seconds back from the, uh, the uh, this battle oh no don't know that was contact which led to a spin for the grain market racing car and contact on the rear left corner from the car behind I didn't there's, grab it there's, there's, there's a breakage the okay. uh, the rear right there's something's broken there it's the RLR car which made contact. Double contact it was a double contact and I think there may be suspension damage there for the grain market car that's a real shame so who's in the RLR machine it's Christian Olsen, Christian Olsen. isn't it 
So I think there was contact initially into the corner, and then as Christian tried to escape the moment and not cause any further problems, um, yeah, the grain market car came backwards across the track, and there was another collision, as you say. This is dangerous now, trying to rejoin in the safest way possible, but both Mercedes AMGs had to go off the track, as did Andrew Howard in the Aston Martin. And the problem for Mark Cradier is he might have either stalled the car no, or got it beat. There's, there's definitely a problem at that rear corner. The, the wheel was not behaving as it should. There's definitely damage there. Yeah. You can see the wheel is now crabbing out. I think there's uh, race-ending trouble for that car. Well, that, those are the driving wheels, of course, on the rear. And if something's not engaging, like the drive shaft or the gearbox... There's definitely a breakage in the bodywork. And when we saw him trying to restart, the yeah. wheel was moving laterally. Uh, so something's gone wrong there. Not ideal. Meanwhile, faster laps coming through again from Wayne Boyd in number 24, despite the yellow flags that are out in that vicinity because of Mark Crader's moment. And the Lucic Racing Ferrari's gone quicker as well. Fabian Leverne leading GT3. And by the way, that, uh, that's fast lap from Wayne Boyd. It's closed three seconds on that group ahead of him in the single lap. And BHK now going backwards after... A moment, so the early pass of the lap, the number... So, oh, so Mark Credit's got the car going. Yeah, and I'm sure... Well, he can't go to the pits because there's a new pit lane now and he's already passed that point. By the way, car 16 being driven by Francesco Manino. So what happened here? We'll see BHK. Was that all by himself? Oh, no, he had a no. lot of help. Big help as the two trajectories, very different trajectories, into turn number five, met in the middle, camp corner, and there are now yellow flags right at turn five with car 16 facing oncoming traffic so what's Mark Crader going to do have to do a full lap into the, the pits or does he feel the car and reckon maybe it's worth the risk to carry on I'd be a very happy man if I got that wrong but I don't think I did that's the Krypton Motorsport car that made the contact with the BHK car and that's trouble there too by the look of things without a doubt there was secondary contact and yes. I hadn't seen that first time around it's taken a chip out of the top of the wheel arch I don't know yet whether it's done any significant damage to the drivetrain is that a puncture is that a front left puncture we couldn't quite see there from I the hope Krypton there's not going to be any afters here from Menino who just veered his BHK motor, uh, motorsport car to the right might have been a cheery way there. I think it possibly was some sort of gesticulation, yep. yes. International sign language, I'm I, sure, I, being employed. That's what a quick look it is. I'm sure that is a, is a puncture. Yeah. Or uh, worse. Well, it might even be now bent suspension for that Mercedes that was going really well, car 35. But that looks to be, if not a race-ending issue for Marco Zanottini. See that again. Was never going to make the corners, Anutini. There, and just stuck it at the inside of a, an LMP3 car that is fully committed. It's a downforce car. It's a, it was a strange old line he was taking anyway. DKR Engineering about to come around then to wrap these stricken cars, the number 16 and the 35 Krypton Motorsport, and unsurprisingly, the 35 and the 16 incident between the Mercedes and the LMP3 car is under investigation. Now. I'm looking at the times for Mark Crader, and he's going round, and it would seem there's a reasonable pace. Good. So hopefully that was just an optical illusion. Yes, it's possible. The, the, the one thing for me was that the lights were going on and off, on yep. and off, and that, that's just getting the car restarted problem. Uh, and it was almost moving on the starter, it looked like. Uh, that's the reason why, I mean, actually brave from Eduardo Freitas not to go full course caution because of that. I think he was giving Mark enough time to get it restarted good battle here down the Mistral Porsche from Lamborghini and there's a Ligier LMP3 in the draft as well 
So Paolo Venerossi versus Cedric Mezar. Mezar returning with his teammate Stevie S or a bit more Le Mans Cup action. And the 83, difficult to spot, Lamborghini Huracan <laughs> in its bright orange livery, darting to the left. Now, got to be aware that there's an LMP3 car that wants to lap these two, but he also doesn't want to get out of position uh, for that pass on the Porsche. Wayne Boyd now with Mike Benham. This is now a battle for fourth with Trigger just ahead. So Wayne Boyd has got past Charlie Martin, who's dropped right back from this pair. So what Boyd has made the positional change. He's up to fifth. Fastest first sector of the race last time, or this time around rather, for Wayne Boyd. And he's now very much in the hunt for not just fourth place, but a potential podium position for this car. For the first time in the GT3 category, Sergio Pianazzola is faster than Fabien Leverne. The difficulty is there's nearly seven seconds for him to try and find as Krypton are back in the pit lane, yeah, Graham. The inner wing certainly arrived there, for starters. That will have sounded horrible. Mm. It's hope for their position. That's all that was wrong with it. And there's the five car going straight off in an attempt to pass and spinning. As a result, that was pretty clumsy, I'm afraid. Well, that is Marcello Maratiotto again, who made the error in qualifying and collided with Rob, Rod Hodes in the United car. He has a suspended penalty because of that, of a drive-through. That will cost positions, without doubt. Still, the Porsche versus Lamborghini. You look at those two cars and the completely different, the absolutely obvious Porsche styling, the blindingly obvious Lamborghini styling, and it's... Difficult to imagine, isn't it, that the same parent group? Yeah, good point. Yes, absolutely. Uh, some good driving there from Jack Wolf. I think he saw Maratiotto coming and just darted off the racing line because he thought, at that speed, you're never going to make the corner. So it proved. And it also meant that the CD Sport car didn't incur any damage. But yeah. now we have Normas locking out the top nine, apart from Wayne Boyd, who is fourth. He's gone by Mikey Benham. Yes. And he's now right with Trouillet for third. So that's the Ligier flag being flown right there. Otherwise, it is M30s, as far as you can see, well, at least down to ninth place, where Christian Olsen is driving a, a bit of a recovery effort now in the RLR machine. Pianazzola is still the fastest of the GT3 cars, though. He's trying to chisel away at that six-plus second gap between him and the GT3 leader, Fabian Laverne, in the Lucic Racing Ferrari. An hour and 40 still to go, and uh, an enticing battle for third place overall as Benham's off the track again at senior corner. It's so tricky to get that uh, corner right, i.e. make it fast, but also keep the car within the white lines, particularly as you enter the corner, you cannot see the exit. It's much faster than the camera would portray, and you're entering it at I mean, crazy speed. I actually don't know how fast you'd be going in an LMP3 car, but well over 200 k's, uh, and then some. Remember the ebb and flow of Michelin Le Mans Cup racing. Kept on AMG, I'm afraid, stricken on pit lane. There is Wayne Boyd going through on the nine car, so goes through into third position. Yeah. He's got some way, though, to get back with Adrian Chiller. He's uh, 5.7 seconds back, but uh, much the quickest man on the track at the moment, as he has been for some little time. The ebb and flow, remember, is some of these teams have chosen to put their quick guys out first, and some will choose to do that second. So what at the moment looks like a foregone conclusion in many regards, that ain't necessarily so, as the song goes. 
Cedric Mezar again trying to shape up Paolo Venerossi for an overtake. The low-slung roof level on the Lamborghini almost disappears behind, well, a Porsche that is particularly svelte as well. But the Huracan disappearing in terms of its height behind that Porsche. And the RLR car of Christian Olsen, good move there on Jack Wolf. So that's one place gained back again into the corner at Hotel. And now at uh, Camp Corner, the... Christian Olsen machine is starting already to stretch its legs as it reaches the kink at turn seven. It's uh, another place gained from Christian Olsen. The car started about 15th on the grid. Yes. So, so he's up to eighth now. Um, having some places, uh, places gained. Of course, the incident that involved him, though, and the spun United Autosports car is still under investigation. It's, uh, as you say, a spun United Autosports car. I think that's a spun United Autosports car, isn't it? I think you're right. Yeah, and uh, he's now going to rejoin. Wasn't he, uh, it wasn't the United Autosports car, it was the Nielsen car, wasn't it? The great market racing machine. That was my memory playing tricks. Over the line then to complete another lap for the battle in GT3 for seventh and eighth places. Venerossi and Mezar. What about the fight between uh, Muller and Andrew Howard? Well, that's still very much alive. SPS versus the Beach Dean. So SPS Mercedes and the Beach Dean Aston Martin. Meantime, Pianazzola, second in GT, is catching yeah, the leader for a 10th position overall. So Levan may be beginning to suffer in terms of the initial pace he showed. Has he got the best out of those Michelins this early? That would seem to be unlikely. Surprising. Certainly surprising. Another spin out of Virage du Lac this time. Which That's is Charlie Martin. Uh, car 11, you reckon? Yes. OK. And has lost places as a result. Yes, it was a slow final sector. You're right. Lost about... Only lost four or five seconds. I mean, that's significant, yes, but at least he was able to spin it round, pointing in the right direction, find a first gear and go again as quickly as she could. On trouble here. Now, which Ferrari is that? That, I think, might be John Hartshorn. OK. It looked a bit like the 71, and I was mildly concerned, but there are several Ferraris in this race that look similar, and unfortunately all we have to go on, it's the 50. Great spot. That's John's car. It's uh, on the inside of turn... Sorry, the outside of turn one, isn't it? Yep. So car 50 is stopped at turn one. John Hartshorn in trouble in the number 50 Kessel racing car. I should say before I lose my thread with this one, is another fastest lap, this time a 151.760 from Wayne Boyd. That, for comparison, is over two seconds quicker than the car is chasing Adrian Chiller. That gap is now under five seconds. Also a fastest lap in GT3, though, with Sergio Pianazzola quicker again. 155.387 for Pianazzola, who's chasing down the Laverne time. I think that is, oddly, it's an identical time to the car chasing him, yes. which is the... Morris Smith. Morris Smith, number 74, cool racing car. That last time around, both with 155.387, that must have been ultimately frustrating. But also, Laverne's not exactly slowing, no, because he's, he's just done his fastest lap of the race as well, but uh, Pianazzola's effort, half a second quicker than Laverne, so that gap's now down to 5.7 seconds between first and second in GT3. Right, Benham, meanwhile, is beginning to come back at Eric Freerate. In fact, he's right with him, less than a second back. This is Mikey Benham. So uh, great to see Mikey racing when he's in his pomp. Constructively aggressive, I would call his style. <laughs> and, Certainly uh, takes no prisoners. 
Here comes Cedric Mezar. Sorry to uh, cut across you, but overlapping the Porsche now is Cedric Mezar. This is just about his best run out of seven and onto the Mistral straight to try and bag seventh place in the GT3 category. And they've got the lap car, BHK Motorsport, sort of in the way here of the ideal line for either car. BHK car tries to bail out to the outside. I think this might be job done for Mezar, and it is. That was beautifully done. Te- teed up from the very start of the missile yes. straight there. Now he has to deal with the two LMP3 cars. Goes up the inside of the BHK car. And that's Gatt, the Porsche. Yeah, all of a sudden in a great position over Paolo Venerossi because he was a bit more decisive through traffic. There was something possibly issuing from the back of the BHK car there, unless it just ran wide and started to kick up a little bit of track debris from the rear of the car I hope that's nothing to worry about for BHK back for a uh, back for a first season rather because they were in the LMS, LMS last year, last year yep. in LMP3 that's probably the same car then which has been moved from one to the other so no longer do they have an LMP3 represented in LMS but that's because they've moved up to the big show uh, in LMP2 and still it's well half the car to the field it seems in that final corner BHK again in the middle of the track with one United cars looking for a way by. It's uh, the EP Motors Porsche going up well, up the outside here, round the outside. It's the 24 car that was in the mix there. And through two goes the second of the Graf cars. In fact, sorry, that was the battle for third position, wasn't it? With uh, Wayne Boyd ahead of Trullier and looking to close in now on Adrian Chiller, who's under two seconds ahead now, but dropping back from Transport Gearman. So DKR's number three car leads from the 39 of uh, Graf Racing with Adrian Cello. Wayne Boyd, though, is closing in rapidly yeah. on the second-place car. I think that BHK car's maybe running a little lower on its suspension than uh, they had prepared it because it's kicking up quite a bit of muck from the rear of the car. I don't think it's particularly slow down the Mistral, but when it runs offline, that's very noticeable. A great run this time from Benham on Chiller. So on Truier, I should say. So Truier in the red, white and blue graph-coloured car with Michael Benham right behind. Tony Wells uh, is a bit further back, isn't he, in his Norma. Yeah, it's about 11 seconds, so not quite involved in that battle. But Tony's having a good scrap with Charlie Martin. Andrew Howard, meanwhile, is continuing his battle with the SPS car. And that's been made closer yes. by the fact that at scene corner... The SPS car running way, way, way wide. Yeah. Uh, being driven by Dexter Muller. And battling then with Andrew Howard, who has got a busy year ahead in his motorsport commitments with a season of Michelin Le Mans Cup and also British GT. Here comes the, the battle again between the two Normas. Deals with the challenge of the Lamborghini. And yes, I think the SPS AMG even over the bellow of his V8 engine in that uh, Mercedes. We'll be able to hear the chimes of green sleeves behind from the fastest-sized cream car in the world. <laughs> so, yeah, there, I'm sure there'll be an opportunity on this lap for Andrew to fashion an opportunity. Meanwhile, Eric Truier losing ground on Wayne Boyd up ahead, but he's far more concerned about keeping his graph Norma as wide as possible to keep the white and red of Lannan behind. Elbows out racing. Cedric Mezar has just been lapped in, and that battle between Mezar and 
Is that Paolo Vernarossi still in tow? No, he seems to have dropped the Porsche now, the Ebi Motors car. He did, did seem to lose a lot of ground very quickly. Yes. So I wonder whether that was... Uh, ah, now, Car 16 reported for smoke, so I wasn't imagining things. I wonder whether it was just an offline thing kicking up the dust. But there is some smoke coming out the back of the VHK car. And if that persists, there may be a mechanical warning flag heading its way. That does seem to be low down on the left-hand side. So whether it's engine-related or whether it's uh, a ride height problem, but again, that, that looks like almost coming straight from the exhaust as the car puts down the power out of Turn 14 and heads for the timing line. So Francesco Manino may have to pit a little earlier than planned yet because we're still about 25 minutes away from the scheduled pit stop window. Yeah, Louise Beckett reminding me that, that, of course, that is the car that was in the pits after early contact. So maybe there is more damage there than perhaps we thought. Yes, very good point. And that might have taken a little bit of time to manifest itself. So they'll keep their eyes on it, both at BHK but also the race officials. As the race leader, Francois Kerman, back over the line. Best lap so far, a 152, oh. but the Charlie Martin car is now stopped on track. This is at turns 10 and 11, so between Bose and I think it's actually happened at the left-hander, hasn't it, just before Garlaban corner. And was this contact, or was it Charlie going for the outside line and then running yes, out? Yes, it was exactly that, I'm afraid. That yep. was overly ambitious, I'm afraid, from Charlie, and it was a very promising, very early run. It's yep. beginning to fade a little here. Well... I think you learn very quickly that where the grip is and isn't in this on this track. There's been lots of running all week, which means that the racing line's very grippy indeed, but you get out on the marbles, and I'm afraid that's often the result. Now, with my apologies, if I've missed it, as the 16 car comes in, after uh, the smoke warning for that car, Wayne Boyd up into second position now and has pulled away immediately from Adrian Chiller. It's now 8.7 seconds back to the lead and going quicker than he has before. Checks taking place at BHK Motorsport, so Menino does have to pit. Whether that was instruction from the team or from the race officials, not sure, but uh, the end result is the same, and the engine cover it's having smoky. to come off. Very smoky from that right-hand bank. Those kippers are done. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think that's going to be a quick fix, sadly. So they'll want to try and conserve the 5-litre uh, Nissan engine, if at all possible. Andrew Howard charging hard in car number 99, the brand-new Aston Martin. He's got the SPS uh, car of Dexter Muller still in sight. Can't yet get close enough to mount a challenge. Race leader is behind. We'll want to get through quickly here because Wayne Boyd is catching. Better lap this time from the car, but lost two seconds of his lead to Boyd last time around but this traffic is going to take a little wee while of course Boyd is going to have to deal with the same issue so later on Andrew Howard makes that pretty simple United will want the overtake done in the opening stint ideally because after Wayne Boyd's stint he'll hand over to Naj Hussein that can be as late in the window as they dare as the mechanics three of them at BHK Motorsport still peering into the engine bay to try and assess this problem I don't think it's an immediate answer because they're all sort of not literally scratching their heads because they're wearing uh, race helmets and goggles but um, otherwise would point, it's, point, it would have been utterly pointless yeah but uh, much conversation and I don't think they really know what to do here so I'm afraid we're one car down it's chunks out of that rear right tyre as well which is slightly worrying 
that's a, it might be pickup actually and it's uh, an illusion from the camera anyway two graph cars virtually nose to tail and one of them certainly on the lead lap with the 23 United Autosports car monstering a challenge that's Rod, Rob Hodes then remember that's a car that got involved in contact uh, earlier yes so not on the lead lap therefore not battling with the graph cars for position as Wayne Boyd is the 23 uh, no that's still Rod Hodes beg pardon so Benham's dropped considerably back now from Boyd and Schiller and Eric Truyer is 1.9 seconds away from the Benham Lannan racing car. Yeah, Francois Kerman has clearly got the message from the DCAR team that there's a threat coming from behind because his pace has come down, come up rather, very considerably into the 152s, 153s, whereas previously we were seeing 54s and 55s and a very conservative run in the second part of his stint. Now, uh, as Wayne Boyd puts in another fastest lap of the race, 151.505. He takes two and a half seconds out of the leader. It's 6.1 seconds now. This is doable. Certainly. And, yeah, Boyd finding time all over the place here. 6.1 seconds is catchable in, what's he got, 15 minutes, but they could certainly keep him in for the bulk of the pit lane window as well. So certainly a, a chance to come into pit lane from the lead of the race Norma from Ligier then a clutch of Normas third, fourth, fifth and sixth positions with Adrian Schiller and Eric Trier only separated by 0.8 of a second bigger gaps then to Benham, to Wells and to Christian Olsen who runs in uh, seventh place lead gap in GT is coming down that uh, gap which was last time I looked about six seconds now down to under four and coming down pretty rapidly Pianatola seems at the moment to have a bit between his teeth so Fabian Laverne has all of a sudden got a problem and a bit big, bigger problem for the number four car that car's been the barrier it has because oh, big time there's the wheel off scarring on the Armco barrier that protects the pit lane entry it was a lose oh, on the exit of turn 14 hit. and it's gone backwards into the barrier piercing the Armco barrier in a couple of places and that's destroyed the rear wing the rear left wheel is completely off the car and clearly concern now for John Showerman and his condition, they'll try and get to cruise to uh, John as quickly as possible, but uh, he will have felt that, certainly, and you don't get any time to react if the car goes squirrely on the outside of the, uh, the exit of Turn 14, and everyone being told now to bear left at Virage du Lac, which is the left-hander before it, strangely. Turn 14, the final corner, and at the moment just being covered by yellow flag, but there is a high chance here of us going full-course yellow as a result of a scary incident to watch. Well, that car will not be able to drive away from there. It will need intervention. There is at least a sight line that protects True. the car. But uh, I would not be remotely surprised to see a full-course yellow coming here. Well, at the moment, they're happy to keep them racing in the areas that aren't affected. And it's a reasonably long racetrack, this 5.7 kilometres. Oh, There's contact into turn 13. Now, that's the area they were all told to bear left. But so the last thing we wanted to see was contact between 74 and the 90 cars. That is for position. Morris Smith versus Alexander Talkanitsa Jr. Oh, that was contact on the right as well. That, that will not impress the race director. They weren't quite into the yellow flag zone, strictly speaking. But as I say, oh, and actually the information now has changed. Bear left at turn 14. That makes much more sense than 13. And the place is 
gained at the start of the very next lap, but uh, I'm not sure necessarily who was it to blame there because the 74 came drifting back across the track but then again the 90 did run in the back the fives looped it as well that's the dkr engineering car there's a car straight on at hotel corner as well it's which the 90 again i think in avoidance right safety car we have a safety car and uh, there's so much to tell you about here i'm kind of quite pleased about that marcello maratiotto had two moments in two corners there at uh, virage du l'hotel and virage du camp and so there is the DKR car recovering, the recovering. And the 90 car then goes off in avoidance. Yep. And then rejoins I ahead. Maratiotto with go. dirty tyres, basically from the runoff, tried to turn in at Camp Corner and it wouldn't stick. So safety car is out. Now, is this because it's barrier repairs possibly necessary? As I say, the rate that John Sharman collided with the Armco barrier, there are a couple of. Uh, slats of Armco that may need re replacing because they've been pierced by quite a sharp rear end on these uh, LMP3s deliberately to, to protect the driver rather than uh, you know it'd be a crumple zone basically and cave in in favour of the Armco barrier into the pits the number 9 car and not yet of course into the pit window that is the no, graph car Eric Truyer, which was going pretty nicely. It so was. what's happened there for Eric and Adrian Truyer? That's one is going to tumble down the order now. It will. And yes, with 39 minutes completed in this two-hour race, we are a bit short from the pit lane window. So Marshall's down at the scene. So not too long before all the cars have cleared the accident site and then we'll be into the zone where the safety car is picking up the field. Point, we will see the intervention vehicles moving. I couldn't actually see John Sherman in that shot, but it might no. be that he's already out of the car, could be. Um, which would be great news. And there's no rush to get intervention vehicles and emergency vehicles down to the scene. So, although it looked like a rather hard hit, it might be that John's already clambered out. And everyone then being picked up by the safety car. Of course, the rest of the track is effectively very much live because those that haven't quite caught up with the safety car need to do so at pace now, and what then they will assess the damage to the track. What this does do, if this can be done rapidly, if the determination is that it doesn't need a barrier repair, is it means that both of the lead battles in both classes are nose to tail. Yes. Yes, indeed. And it was getting closer anyway, even before the safety car intervened. But as they run at slower speeds, just less than a second between Kerman and Boyd. Are, are there any lapped cars between those two? It doesn't Looking look like... No, no, I think they're both together. OK, and then the SPS Mercedes, which isn't the first of the GT3 cars. Flatbed now being called to the scene to recover the cool racing number four. John Sherman. See that incident again. Sherman, the second car here, the number four car. Clip the, uh, the kerb on the inside, turn 14. Hammered the kerb on the outside, and it fired, obviously the power down fired him across and enough force to rip the corner off the car, but also to pierce the barrier. Yeah, it's yeah. those hard stops that I don't like to no. see, whether you're going forwards or backwards, because the Armco barrier does not give whatsoever. Thankfully, it's slightly at an angle to the track, so it sort of bounced him a bit further down. Um, Shame because John Shalman had been showing much improved form this weekend. Was uh, part of the championship last year with the Brookspeed efforts. It, yes. This is the same car, but moved to the 
Cool Racing team. But, uh, John had been well in the mix, ahead of where we would have expected him to be last year. So clearly he'd been doing some work in the off-season. And that's a shame. So one or two just dropping out of the race in a sort of five or ten minute period there with the 16 BHK out with a mechanical drama. Car four retiring because of accident damage. And now everybody gingerly working their way by, making sure they don't pick up any, any shards of carbon fibre that could cause dramas later on. There's also a bit of debris to be removed at turn five. And why not take this opportunity to do that? I think that's maybe the reason we've gone safety car. Uh, yeah, there'll be a little bit of housekeeping. And there's probably enough bits out there to build your own Norma at the moment. But uh, 35 car, I should say, by the way, I think is out of the race. I uh, was given permission to go behind... Uh, to the paddock hearing from Louise in, there, there is the earlier incident and oddly enough it's those two cars albeit rather later in the day the 16 car hearing from Louise in the pits that the 16 car is now being pushed back to the paddock as well I think we've lost three of our 31 so car four now on the back of the truck so it'll be recovered pretty swiftly there's some bits of Cliché to be retrieved too. Principally the wheel with still some of the bits of upright, oh sorry, the bits of suspension attached to it. And another 12 or 13 minutes and we will be into that crucial pit stop window. Um, but as I say, it's a rule that dictates that each driver has to do a minimum of 55 minutes. So if there's some green flag running before we get to the window opening, the favoured approach to this will be to keep the faster driver behind the wheel for as long as possible and then switch to the bronze of course some teams have deliberately started with their bronze and the quicker driver is still to come so they'll be the ones peeling off at the earliest opportunity and there's still an hour and 16 to go with number four car being stretched away I couldn't see any replacement Armco barrier bits being prepared so it should be a restart that is pretty swift, as you were suggesting. Norma from Ligier, from three more Normas, Graf, Lannan, Nielsen, all represented in the top five. Yeah, Christian Olsen made another place up. Yes. He wants Charlie Martin uh, with that spin we saw from Charlie. After what's been a great introduction to this series from Charlie Martin with the racing experience team. Also ahead of Wolf. So from 15th place... At the start, Christian Olsen has done great work to pick up a bit of part of 10 places. Yes, and I, I feared that that car might be carrying a little bit of damage after a double impact with the number 20 grain market racing car, but actually it seems okay because he's setting good times. Now, what about the Armco barrier, with, which actually has tyres immediately behind it, so I would say it's still pretty strong. Two or three deep tyre wall instructed to go at full speed safety car instructed to go at full speed that's a good sign as well that the safety car's being told to pick up its pace and therefore we may only be one more lap away from this safety car being withdrawn and getting going again the light bar is still flickering on the top of the Audi though and there are 75 minutes still to go in the opening race of the year for the Michelin Le Mans Cup. LMP3s combined with GT3s. Francois Kerman, the chased man for much of the first part of this race. 
but he got away really well with the man who's doing the chasing now, Wayne Boyd, caught in traffic. But eventually, the Ulsterman was able to find some clear air. He's got up to second place. And I'm not sure Francis Kerman's going to pose a great problem here for Wayne Boyd to get to the front of the field. Obviously, bronze driver to come, though. That's why we love endurance racing, is that you put silver and golds in for one stint and you have a bronze for the other one. But you can do it in whatever order you wish and you can pit at any point through that 10-minute window. So the variables are numerous. They are indeed, and Wayne Boyd will know he's not got very long to exercise the advantage he has here. Uh, should I mention as well, we did see another car on pit lane for quite some time, the number nine car, the graph car that was in the mix at the start of the race, third position for Eric Trullier for a while. Two and a half minutes they spent on pit lane, that car has now rejoined, now runs 20th. Uh, 16th in LMP3 so when we get going it's going to be about a battle for the lead in both classes Luzic Racing and Kessel Racing Laverne and Pianzola are also together I think they may have a car between them though safety car in this lap safety car is coming in this lap no overtaking before you cross the start line please advise drivers no overtaking before they cross the start line so a quick turnaround to get a car recovered and some uh, car bodywork retrieved from Turn 5. They're happy to leave the Armco barrier as it is at uh, the right-hander at Turn 14. Green flag already being waved, even though cars are just arriving at Virage du Pont now. And we'll head out of that final corner to see the green flags. The fight then at the head of the order already on with lights flashing from Wayne Boyd. I'm sure Francois Kerman knows he's there, but every distraction that you can fling at him here with the DKR engineering car uh, away well, actually. I don't think Wayne's going to be able to get through there. Meanwhile, battling in the GT3 field. Now, that's Fabian Laverne putting a lap on the 88 car of Paolo Venerossi. So there goes the, the Kessel car. Took a look upside the inside Did. there yeah. uh, through turn one. A better restart. Bit of a wiggle over the curbs there from Pianzola. And this is going to be hard work here for the Lucy Tracing guy with the gaggle of LMP3 cars, meaning he's not got clear road to play with. Wayne Boyd, meanwhile, snapping, snarling Ulsterman behind the leading Norma. Shouldn't be able to do anything on straight line speed here unless the car ahead has got a problem. I don't think it has. Wayne Boyd is staying in the slipstream there and will do what he can when it comes to tighter, twistier bits here towards the end of the lap, which is where the, the advantage, if there is one, for Ligier comes back into play. There goes the leader, there goes Wayne Boyd. This is the lead battle in GT. So they should be more or less identical. Not so between the two LMP3s. Look at the background there. Nothing Four between. Wide. <laughs> Five wide. Fabulous to witness. There's a car almost off the track in the background as well, ducking so far right. It was over the blue asphalt and kicking up dust. Not a good run through senior corner for Pianazzola. He lost a lot of ground that time around, so pendulum swinging at least for the moment towards Fabian Laverne. Wayne Boyd is trying to force a mistake from Francois Kerman. Not forthcoming right now, though. Oh, big, that's big. an indication of how hard Wayne Boyd is pushing. That? Phenomenal. A, a slide from the front wheels. I think it actually started on the rear, and it chucked the front well out of alignment. 
wheel twiddling galore for Wayne Boyd and somehow he made an entrance into turn 14 which was vaguely conventional <laughs> and the exit speed's quite impressive as well he's only lost about three places unfortunately Maratiotto is around again in the DKR engineering machine number five he's getting dizzy isn't he dear um, me sadly yes and that car will have to find a safe place to recover. 71, the race leader in GT3. Where's Bianet Zola in all this, the he's number got, eight? He's got at least three cars between. There you go, three LMP2 cars between them as uh, the GT leader deals with John Hartshorn, I think it was, ahead of him. Well, that's this good. Is... At least John's back in the race in car 50. And there are more yellow flags at uh, turn 14. This could well be the reason. That's not the Maratiotto car no. facing the wrong way because the green car is a Norma. Again, Kerman's exit at a seven down the Mistral. Very impressive indeed. And Wayne Boyd has little choice but to stare at the gearbox of the M30. I don't think that Ligier has managed to get away. We've got double yellows now at turn 14. Let's go and drop this proceedings for at least a little. Wayne Boyd looking to do what he can to just harass this leading car into a mistake before he gets into the yellow flag zone. So, is the safety, oh, safety car. car again for presumably these stricken cars at the final corner? And that decision had to be made, although these cars won't have seen it quite yet, so they're still racing. Kerman versus Wayne message. Boyd. Now he's got the message. Calm it, boys, calm it. There'll be opportunity. It's the 12th car. That is the Euro International car. Well, that's one of the cars, and I wasn't sure whether there were more littering the track at turn 14. Perhaps not. So, he's managed to recover the car, but only to the outside. That'll be J.M. Lippmann. Yes. And car number 12 from Euro International. It is, as you say. And I think at the end of this lap with the safety car, we're going to be into, or very close to, the pit window. So there is... It, that, it, was, the, it was the DKR car that hit the ah, rear of the International car. OK. So. so both were involved. We just didn't see the impact. We saw the results. So Jim Lippmann's car, which... Game might have damage on that corner. It has, it absolutely has. It's the rear right wheel that is not pointing in the right direction. And so effectively, three steering wheels on J.M. Lippmann's car, and that's the reason why I can't continue. I'm sure it's probably broken, broken uh, part of the drivetrain as well. Deco already put on aboard that car. So unfortunately, Marcello Maratiotto making a name for himself in this race and not in a good way because there have been several spins and also contact now with the Euro International car. Well, this is going to set up a cracking battle in GT because the Usage Racing car, due to hand over to Mick on that, no mean racer. Indeed. And the number eight car is due to hand over to... Puccini. Puccini. Last year's champion, as long with Pianazzola. I mean, that's what, that's what I'm saying. The, those two are no mugs being 2018 Michelin Le Mans GT3 champions. And not so, too far back, by the way, is the number seven car. Yeah. The Scuderia Villorba Corsa AMG. So Giacomo Puccini, Mikkel Mack, and the AMG car that you mentioned. Uh, so that's car seven with Mara Calamir. Now they've used their silver, so they'll be handing over to Roberto Pampanini. He's certainly capable of keeping it in the top four or five. I should say as well, we've got a couple of the cars ahead, but just a couple of the cars ahead that um, have quick, have slightly slower guys to come. 
are lead GT battles for 7th overall, and because of the two safety cars, they are only five and a half seconds back from the leader. Yes. Yes, good point. I mean, that's what a safety car does. We've had two of them now, and it really does concertina the field up. As long as you've stayed on the lead lap in this opening, 53 and a bit minutes. Already pitting, Jack Wolf. I think that's too early to be within it the is. pit lane window, yep. though. And I wonder why that car's peeled off. The incident involving car 5 and 12, which is the JM Littman and Marcello Maratiotto incident, is under investigation, which has caused this latest safety car. It's not clear to me why necessarily the safety car's been deployed in order for that car to be recovered, apart from the fact that it's in an awkward spot. I mean, it is on the outside of the track, and they've used the flatbed already, haven't they? In they that, used the flatbed, so we don't area. know whether or not the flatbed that should be stationed there. They might need to employ one of the rather excellent uh, quad bikes they have here that tows oh, yes. cars out of arms, right? It does look, doesn't it, that uh, wheel to be out of alignment. So if you can just get that car to a place of safety, we could be back to racing quite quickly, but it's not going to be quickly enough. Laurence Hur prepared and gets the whisper in his ear from one of the mechanics. Next lap, Laurence, get yourself prepared because he'll have to leap into a car. CD Sports number 30 car does come back out into the fray. We are 20 seconds away from the pit stop window, which means that all the cars in that train will have to go around again and then it could get very busy indeed. Certainly so. But, uh, yeah, there's been no driver change in the 30 car. They did do a 2-minute 30-second pit stop, though. And that's your 150 seconds, so I'm just, I don't quite know why they've done the minimum pit stop time. No. And not changed the driver. Uh, I, I, it would make sense if they changed the driver and actually got the time of the window wrong. Anyway, we will have to see that car back in again for its mandatory stop, is my understanding as per the regulations. Now, I'm prepared to bet there's an awful lot of those teams taking a very close look at what's happening with the recovery of that car. Yes. And if it's not happening quickly, they're going to be in, and they're going to be in now. Next time around, there'll be many, many cars making their way via the brand-new pit lane entry road, which peels off to driver's right just before turn 13, or as a sort of continuation of 13. We'll get a good view of it, fingers crossed, this time. As out of senior corner comes Francois Kerman, the race leader, right ahead of Wayne Boyd, Adrian Schiller and Michael Benham. A great chance to see the unique track here with the blue and the red bands, which are basically uh, highly grip to varying degrees yep. asphalt. Yeah. That's a uh, legacy of the... Circuit Paul Ricard's uh, history in recent past as a high-tech test centre. It wasn't always like that, by the way. It uh, used to just side its way through the countryside uh, when it was first built in 1969. This is an opportunity, though, to wind back the clock a little bit and have a look at the start of the race, a blistering getaway for Fabian Laverne in his Lucic Racing Ferrari, siding down the outside as it was then on the approach to turn one to gain a number of places and he was up to about sixth place early on a early spin for the Kio racing machine that was an assisted moment though and actually well recovered in the end for car 43 with Marcus Markerson 
but pit stops about to start as I say we are now the right side of the pit stop window two minutes into it in fact and a whole hatful of cars coming down pit row Graham all bar two so Charlie Martin leads the race yeah. right now so Charlie Martin stays out in the number 11 car also staying out is the number nine car of Eric Trillier, who came in just a little while ago but outside the pit stop window he sits second at the moment but must stop again and the five DKR engineering car stays out too. To me, Mike Jacques Wolf has stayed out as well as the number 83 Scuderia Villorba Corsa. Uh, Contact on the way into the pits is not ideal. Uh, a full lock up there from Adrian Schiller running into the back of Wayne Boyd. He will not have liked that. And as I say, there's a new pit lane entry road here this year. Well, what I don't know is where the speed limit kicks in, but if it's Wayne way further was... down, way further okay, down. Okay, so Wayne was hard on the anchors, possibly because the race leader at the time, Kerman, was slow, and that's your classic freeway, motorway incident where the guy in front slows and everyone else can't react in time. So fingers crossed that hasn't done damage to either the Graf car or the United Autosports machine. I'm sure there'll be there'll be telltale scars though on the rear of Boyd's car and on the front of Schiller's. There are 23 cars on pit lane right now. Flatbed is with the number 12 car and that will require a lift but yep they're going to lift that car. Yeah I think it has to be because of the rear right wheel. That will take just a short while. It's going to be a very short safety car queue. There's only four cars in it yep. right now. And now the danger is you come round again, you've got to pick because if, if the safety car stays out for another lap, you're not going to get round no. within the 10 minutes. These are pretty slow safety car laps. So we need, we need to be looking now at the time on pit lane. Two minutes, 30 seconds it is. I say the one saving grace may fall at the very end of the race if the race goes beyond the scheduled finish time of six o'clock, i.e. the leader's not in the ideal place with the chequered flag, maybe an extra minute or so to get him home and to see the checker. And 2.29 is not a time I want to see because the time should be two minutes 30 or higher. And 2.29 flashed up briefly there from one of the GT3 cars. We'll try and do some delving into that Meanwhile, though, let's get reaction down at DKR Engineering with Louise Beckett. Francois Kerman coming back to the team, putting in a great performance. That was um, that was tough for you. You had people hunting you down. That United Autosport was hunting you down. Yeah, I had a lot of advance and two safety cars, so it's a but it's race, and we cannot do anything for that. So now we will see with Lawrence what he's going to do. But I am very confident in the team DKR. The car was really good, so we will see at the end of the race. The team we know are well, DKR, um, and uh, you're you're putting in a good show here with them for first time. Yes, for the first time in NP3, it was a good uh, stint. But uh, how we can say is the race will be long and the season will be long. So let's speak in one hour. Okay, very cool. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Yeah, not wanting to uh, put a, a jinx on it, I suppose, Francois Kerman, but uh, that short pit stop is concerning potentially for the GT3 race leader. More on that though after we've looked back at the start of the race once again and three abreast LMP3 cars. The CD Sport machine of Jack Wolf wasted no time at all in gaining places. The same can be said for Fabian Laverne around the outside of some of the prototypes in his number 71 Ferrari. You know, the Laverne Ferrari came really close in getting involved in that incident with the Kia racing car of... Uh, of uh, 
Michael Markerson, who then spun again, sadly, at turn three. The first one was assisted at turn two, I'm pretty sure, but then there was a further spin for that Danish-entered LMP3 car. Some very bizarre lines on the opening lap down at turn five as well, where grip levels were at a premium. Sadly, this was Mark Crader in the number 20 car getting uh, nerfed at turn... F uh, well, later on in the lap, wasn't it? That was turn 12. There was also almost contact between Benham and Adrian Schiller, and Benham got a good run that time around into turn one. Contact was made between the Mercedes and the BHK prototype, forcing the Krypton Motorsport Mercedes into an early stop and over and out was the message from their engineer and then this big incident for John Showerman in his cool racing number four circulating behind his teammate but given zero warning of the car being spat from one side of the track to the other and backwards into the Armco barrier that will have uh, he will be feeling that tomorrow morning will John Showerman but he did exit the car rather swiftly I'm delighted to say and I'm sure a walks over in the medical centre just as a precaution a spin for Marcello Maratiotto, which also accounted for J.M. Littman and his Euro International car, which was stranded on the outside of Turn 14. That's the reason we had a second safety car. And then into the back of Wayne Boyd, on the route into the pit lane, Adrian Schiller, who just couldn't get his car stopped in time. An awful lot of tyre smoke from the rear of the number uh, 39. But contact was made, and fingers crossed that's not going to rear its ugly head again later on in the race. Back to live pictures we go with a Ferrari being picked up then by the safety car and that's purely because everybody else that was behind the Audi safety car has pitted. So we got a 71 Ferrari I reckon there. But what about, big question marks, about Giacomo Piccini who's taken over the Kessel Racing Ferrari and having told you it's 150 seconds for a minimum pit stop time, 2 minutes 29 seconds is glaring at me saying that pit stop is far too well not far too short but a second too short we might be even talking hundreds of seconds of too short but if you're not there you're not there I'm afraid we've got a raft of cars being reported to the stewards for a red pit lane I'm guessing that's the red pit lane exit light ah yes whilst uh, the safety car seven, was coming 14, round 14, 20, 22, 23, 43, 50 71, 74, 90 96 and 99 Unless they won't have closed the pit lane, will they, whilst the safety car was out? Uh, only when the safety car was passing, it should be. What I mean is the entry to the pit lane, that won't have been closed at any point. As in, close the pit lane, you can't access it. Well, there wasn't an incident there, and it's generally not ACO rules racing to close the pit lane during a caution. So I think that red pit lane can only be on the route out of the pits and back down towards turn one. But that means, what are we talking, four, eight... 11 cars, 12 yep. cars possibly, that have all uh, breached, gone, ignored, gone through a red light. It's that seems bizarre. It's a batch of cars. Is it, that is, it will be when the safety car was coming back around. That's yes. what it is. They've been in pit lane for 2.30, and that, can't, that red light has come on as the, pit, uh, the uh, safety car came back on. And obviously you don't want to release cars from the pit lane straight into the path of a safety car or into the train behind the safety car. Uh, there is one other thing that, that needs a little bit of housekeeping, and I'm just double-checking my logic with this. We did have a couple of cars stopping earlier, including, remember, um, the C-Sport car and the, 20, and the, third, the number 9 car. 
Both of those cars stayed on pit lane for their early stops, not for a driver change, but both did more than 100 seconds. That should count as their pit stop. They can therefore come in and do their driver change and fuel that car as quick as they like. Fine, yes. Uh, Which is exactly what they've both done. Yes, because it's not a set window, is it? And I did make that point earlier on. It's done on drive time. Yep. So your driver has to be at the wheel for 55 minutes as a minimum. Yep, which they were. So Jack Wolf has gone beyond the 55 minutes. So effectively, right, have they done their pit stop they behind the their, safety car? They did their pit stop behind the, the safety car, the lap after. So uh, they fueled it, they kept Jack at the wheel, and now they can do a driver change as quick as they like. Quick as they like, and top the fuel up. And have they already done that? They've done that. Yes, they have. Both Graf and CD Sport, and they now lead the race. Oh, that could be a very clever strategy. OK, I like that. I don't think that's ever been done before. Kevin Bowl Bassasson is the new driver then. And CD Sport in second position. Adrian Filler, Adrian uh, Truier, I should say, leading the race. And neither of those cars are anywhere close to the safety car. So we have to keep an eye on those two at the restart. They're, actually, they're only a couple of cars back running fourth and fifth immediately behind the safety car so there are two GTs a Ferrari and a Porsche then it's one of the Nielsen cars I think and then it's the two leaders I'm checking my logic on that one I don't see any reason why you can't do that unless there's a specific reason that you've got to take that uh, 100 second stop in that window uh, no um, no you have to do a, a, you have to do a pit stop of 150 seconds and no driver can it can breach the 55 minute drive time as, as in they can't be at the wheel for any shorter period of time than 55 minutes but there's no reason why the two have to happen at the same time I don't think but you, I mean you've got the regulations in front of you and I'm yep. leaving you to speed <laughs> read those rather grown than I have to say uh, but it's a very interesting way to to slice the cake shall we say it may very well be that they they had a reason to stop and just took that option yep and it's just come back their way yep well it's it's often billed as a uh, as a window between 55 and 65 minutes but actually that's just a way of interpreting the rule it doesn't as per the regulations doesn't actually say anything about uh, needing to pick between those times just as long as you fulfil your two driver um drive times remember it is highly unusual for us to have a safety car let alone two the safety car is coming in at the end of this lap we are going green straight away in fact so that leaves two uh, GT3 cars out front of course they don't lead the race overall uh, but they'll go across the line then with 51 out front that's Christoph Ulrich in reality fourth in GT3 and tucked in behind is the Paolo Venerossi but now handed over to Alessandro Bacani Ebi Motors Porsche so that car is currently eighth in the GT3 ranks. Uh, Giacomo Piccini taking over the Kessel Racing Ferrari. I'm sure they'll take a look at that pit stop that was done to the tune of 2 minutes 29 rather than the 2.30. That, uh, it was under my understanding that um, it should have been. And Mikkel Mack in car 71 for Lucic Racing, former race-leading Ferrari, in second place. Everybody feeding through then. The corners at Hotel and Camp Corner through the left-hand kink, which is nameless currently on the Paul Ricard circuit, and down the long Mistral, the Lindois du Mistral. 
Is there an opportunity here for the lead to change? There's literally a quarter of a second between them. And Bol Besson getting a really good run on the number 39, the number nine, rather, Adrian Truyer driven graph car. So this is the lead change, quite possibly, up towards senior corner. Round the outside, no, can't do it. There's also a battle immediately behind Dinaj Hussein and Nico Schatz for third position. The United Autosports cars immediately ceded that position to the 39, up to third, and actually now harassing the other, uh, it's harassing the CD sport car for second position. I think it's gone through. I think he has. So right behind then, uh, let's have a look. Nat Hussein, Nicolas Schatz, they're all in the queue there. Duncan Tappy for Lannan, as you say. Yeah, her as well is right there. So this has got some very quick men in very close contention with each other. Check those rules, by the way. Spot on. Yeah. They've, they've, they've done what they needed to do. Oh, here comes Tappy. That's a brave place to put his car. There's contact, and there's contact for Tappy as well. The car looks relatively straight, but it's left. McCarney sideways in the middle of the road at turn 14. How is that Lannan car after the contact? There were just too many cars in one corner there, and some, well, brutal overtakes from Duncan Tappy. He's not about to waste any time, is he, in the Lannan car? Watch this again. Tappy to the inside there. And they were all trying to get up the inside of the Porsche. there by the 30, and then he's clipped at the rear left by the, the 88 that was spun out by Impact with a different LMP3 car. So with three different impacts in that yes. uh, issue there. So you're absolutely right. We need to see Duncan Tappy's sector times now to see whether or not there is going to be any damage. There doesn't seem to be any problem at the moment. He's in the 33s. But is the damage to the tyre? Well, Kevin Ball Bassasson trying to stay out of trouble really. He realised he was being overtaken by Duncan Tappy, but he also had Alessandro Bacani to his immediate left in the Porsche. And the Porsche's got to get through the corner as well. So literally three abreast at turn 14. That was never going to work on the outside. And Duncan Tappy, uh, as you say, was there was some side-to-side -side contact and then he was caught by the spinning Porsche on the exit of the bend. But so far, so good for Tappy and the Lannan racing car. Running in third position behind Schatz in the number 39. And the other Graf car out front, which is Adrian Truier. So Graf from Graf, and then a delayed Lannan machine of Duncan Tappy, but he's still trying to do some overtakes there with Kyle Bolbassasson trying to get the place back again. Oh, and he's... No, that's the DKR engineering machine. So oh, that's, that's actually Laurence Hoer no, off the road. He's not allowed to do that. Oh. He cannot make a place up off the road. We all know that, but you try telling him because he's going <laughs> to romp away now. <laughs> I mean, that will be looked at again. Contact between cars 30 and 88 under investigation. What's not included in that is number 25. In reality, in reality it clearly was. So I'm sure the whole thing will be rewatched and reconsidered. But all of a sudden, Laurence Hoer now ahead of Duncan Tappy because he took to the scenery and used a bit of track that nobody's used in the pass for an overtake. Yeah, I'm pretty convinced he's going to be told to give that position back. And he hasn't immediately. That was always an option coming out of turn 14 to just feather the throttle. Look at the two graph cars. Virtually nose to tail here for the lead of the race. Adrian Truier versus former hill climb champion in France, Nicolas Schatz. And they are neck and neck coming out of the right and left-hander as we go down to the pits to hear from Louise. Well, we saw the number nine coming in early for a pit stop, and now we can ask the big question. Eric, was there an issue with the number nine, or was it strategy for that early pit stop? 
it was a strategy. Uh, we decide uh, this uh, strategy at the last moment and uh, we go uh, to the box. And at the moment it's paid off. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, now we have to uh, finish the race. And, uh, OK, we'll say no more. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't want to put the kibosh on that, you could tell. Oh, Graf Carr, one of them at least, off the road. Laurence Herr up to third place, Duncan Tappy following his every move though. Very different lines being utilised by Adrian Truyer at the lead of the race, but the hill climb champion of earlier years, Nicolas Schatz, crawling all over the back of his teammate. They don't want to hit each other, obviously, but I just get the feeling that Schatz is a little quicker than Truyer. Do they do a bit of delicate strategy and switch them around somehow? Or are we going to be in a situation where Truy is very much the cork in the bottle here? Not sure whether we've noticed this, a change in the lead for GT as well. Kessel Racing's Giacomo Capuccini in the number eight car, up into eighth position overall, and by Mikel Mack in the 71 Lusich racing car. Well, you heard it from the 3A senior. They spotted the opportunity and they went for the opportunistic bit of strategy. And what a genius piece of work that was. Very clever thinking that, and as I say, I think that's a first for the championship in that you do your longer pit stop outside of the window, keep the same driver at the wheel, and then do a very quick driver change later on. It's only because we've had safety cars in this race yep. that that's been possible. They would, have pit, they would have pitted on that first safety car. I'd have to go back to re revisit the lap chart, but I'm pretty sure they did. Yep. Uh, and I know that they were probably 10 minutes early. Yeah, for the, they were. For the more considered um, pit stop window. So, Truyate from Schatz, Lantreur, Duncan Tappy, Colin Noble in the mix in fifth position. Those five separated by three and a half seconds, with Colin Noble, the man making up the ground at the moment. Then it's the number 30 CD sport car, then a pair of United Autosports cars with uh, Matt Bell closing on Naj Hussein for seventh position. Then we have, for ninth and tenth on the road, the GT leading pair. The two Graf cars nearly ran into each other Let's there, and as through. a result, 39's wide. Laurence Hur spots the moment, never going to give that one up. But I tell you, Schatz here now on the run back towards the left hand, and nearly got the place back again. And the team manager to car three is about to be called to race control. I don't really care about that right now because there are four cars dutching for the lead of the but race. That is Lawrence phenomenal Hur. stuff. That is Lawrence Hur being called. Fine. I wonder if that is for that position, but it is phenomenal racing at the moment. And Lawrence Hur looking to go to the lead here. Yeah, tried it. And um, as I say, the sensible move for me from Graf would have put to, to be to put Schatz ahead of Truier because he was far faster. But uh, that opportunity has been missed now. They nearly ran into each other, coming through scene corner, and Laurence Horace pounced. The man, though, that we're discounting is Duncan Tappy, fourth position, and he's just watching all of this unfold. Well aware, there's three-quarters of an hour of the race still to go, and he just needs to play this cannily, because he's got the pace, I think, to outrun them all, but he's just got to pick them off one by one. Plenty of excellent racing out there. Two unanswered questions what's going on with the number three in race control and is what we've got on timing and scoring the correct pit stop timing for the GT leader because if it is they're going to have a drive through here's Lawrence Hurt through turn seven that was a really good run through the left hand kink and onto the Mistral and the orange and black Norma is now going to get closer and closer to Adrian Truier for a brief moment the silhouette of the orange and black car disappears behind the red the white and the blue of the graph and one, two, three, four, blink and you miss them underneath the bridge and down towards senior corner. 
dead straight part of the track. It does undulate a little bit as you climb slightly uphill and into senior corner. They all kick the cars on the... Oh, as Schatz goes for a move on her into the right-hander at Bose. And this might be now Duncan Tappy's chance with Schatz somewhat on the back foot. He's running out wide there. And this is a favoured overtaking opportunity for him into turn 11. Can't make that work. This is helping Colin Noble to close up as well. These top four at the moment, point eight of a second, not first to second, first to fourth. Great racing, and Colin Noble, as you say, will potentially look himself into this as well. What's happening in the GT3 category? Nothing's been said about that pit stop just yet. Giacomo Pacini in the number eight car. We reckon just caught me at the pit stop time a little too short. What we don't have is... Uh, decimal places of the timing so we might be talking you know a tenth of a second too short as Duncan Tappy ran the outside at turn one can pick off surely the uh, Nicolas Schatz car he can brilliant overtake round turn the outside of turn one and makes the move stick trouble for the 88 car slow on the Mistral straight that is the EV Motors Porsche was in trouble earlier being turned around by I think it was a CD Sport car wasn't it yes at uh, turn 14 so further woes for the Porsche. And this the is cracking stuff. GT3 just as close as it is in the LMP3 ca category with 8 and 71. Giacomo Pacini and Mikkel Mack and Mack is hustling Pacini through the corner. The nose almost making contact with the diffuser of the blue Ferrari. They're going to almost think about going two abreast through 6 and 7. Thought better off that, thankfully. And run very wide on the outside then of 7 down the Mistral straight can't take your eyes off this at the moment sadly there's other gt3 cars are a bit further back so it is all about that top two for the win yeah, reigning uh, michelin le mans cup champion giacomo piccini against previous european le mans series gt champion and laurence hurt to the lead of the race diving up the inside of the double drag brat uh, bose corner to uh, the right hand the nine and ten and then finally takes the position ahead of Adrian Trier. So Laurence Hurt with the meeting at race control probably taking place now. Big lock-up for the second-place graph car. Duncan Tappy, another big lock-up for the second uh, graph car coming into turn 14. Duncan Tappy looking very racy here in third. Tucks in behind. Is he going to do another copycat move Well, turn one? Did it around the outside of one. He's now darting to the inside, but that was just a dummy. And now late on the brakes into one. Not but rare. the Adrian Truier car a little wise to that manoeuvre. So maybe Kraft had been on the radio saying, right, he's going to try around the outside, try and block him off. And they managed it. And this will bring Nicolas Schatz back into the equation, loitering with intent. And also Colin Noble is there in the Nielsen racing car number two. Schatz out wide. Him. And he's got it. He's I'm got sure he position, has, has it? it. He was within his rights to take the apex there, and Colin Noble need not do anything stupid quite yet, bearing in mind there's still 40 minutes on the clock. And the way Nicolas Schatz is hurling that to Norma around the track, you want to be pretty careful as you overtake the Frenchman. Two minutes stop-and-go penalties are coming the way of cars 50, 14, 71, the second-place car in GT, 99, 23, 90, 7, 74... 22, 20, 43 and 96, all for passing the red light at the end of pit lane. It might have been quicker for you to give us the cars that <laughs> didn't get a penalty, frankly, but that's a, an awful lot of cars that have 
gone right through a red light. The racing continues in both categories. Let's head down to Lucith Racing, though, for an update. Well, our pole sitter in GT3 is Fabian Laverne. You put in such a great run. You've just seen now. You've got to stop and go. Yeah, I think that's the, the end of our race, uh, unfortunately, but that's uh, rules are rules. So red uh, light, you can't go out. So that's like this. OK, thank you. Thank you. A very honest assessment there, and sadly, we're going to have to look a little further down the order. We're in a position here, Graham, where Lucy's Racing have already got a penalty, and I don't like that pit stop for the Kessel Racing crew either. I'm not saying they have breached the rules, but it doesn't look brilliant on paper, and therefore, I mean, what we're looking at now, the Scuderia Vialba Corsa car, was that in the list? Yes, it was. So 51 wasn't in the list for the red lights so possibly it's going to be the spirit of race Christophe Ulrich car. The good news is none of the top five are in that list uh, the overall uh, running, the for first Olympic car three. that okay. is, is Matt Bell in the number 22 United Autosports car and that's a real shame because Matt was making really good progress up towards that lead group and would, would be the lead Ligier at this stage but he's going to have a two minute stop go there might well be more penalties to come. We still don't know what's going on with the number three. Currently leads the race. We still don't know what's going to happen, if anything, with the number eight. But I think the number eight's penalty is a drive-through, not a stop-and-go, if it is judged that way. Yes, yes. So uh, nowhere near as draconian as the two-minute. I'm not saying it's a, you know, obviously a red light's a red light. You've yep. got to drill that into the drivers. Nevertheless, there's almost a place change taking place out on track here because before the penalty is served... We've got a race on, and why not the 71 get ahead of the 8 just before this two-minute stop-and-go? Might as well have a bit of fun before you have to park the car for a prolonged period. Duncan Tappy looking still very racy, looking all around the back end of the number 9 Graf Racing car, Adrian Trullier. And is keen, I think, to get back onto terms with Lanteur. I think he thinks he's got the quicker car underneath him. Here is the still, currently the leading pair in GT but the 71 car is going to have to pit and it's going to have to do it soon yeah and that's going to put it well out of the equation so as I say Christoph Ulrich potentially to the podium although was it not Christoph he was labelled at the wheel of that car at the start of the race as well now that might just be a driver ID issue for the number 51 it was Ulrich who started the car and strangely still at the wheel might be not what uh, it, it not, not, might not be the truth. Anyway, out of turns one and two comes the battle still involving Lannan and Duncan Tappy and Adrian Truyer third and second in that order. And here come now a gaggle of cars to serve a two-minute stop-and-go penalty. Well, let's keep an eye on these. There's a uh, Ferrari on the straight with an engine potentially gone, or is that no? It's a tire, rear right tire going down for 51. car 51. Nobody wants to win this GT3 race, seemingly, because we've got a couple now serving two-minute penalties. The eight car going nicely at the moment, but with a review, I'm sure, later on in the race. Piccini, though, is in the box seat for a race win. So is that Yannick Mettler next up in the SPS car, number 54? Yes, it is, having taken over that car from Dexter Muller. Why not the 54 for the podium? 22 is in, 74 is in, 71 is in, 98 is in, 43 is in. Seven is in, and the number 20 car is in as well. Uh, in and out has come the number 14 car. Now, was that two minutes? It was. So the 14 car has come in and out and served the penalty. Did that more or less straight away then for a second stop. 
and it is Maurizio Mediani. So that's been corrected ah, on the screen now. Uh, Louise Beckett tells me it's because Tom Olsen responded instantly and came straight in. Thank yeah. you very much from the pits, Lou. So Maurizio Mediani's at the wheel of the 51, not Christoph Ulrich. That uh, was a timing glitch briefly. However, that car's going to have to limp back to the pit lane now, minus a rear right Michelin tyre, because it's gone bang and very early on in the lap. I mean, you couldn't get much earlier than the uh, start-finish straight. And Mediani, horrible situation for him to be in. As the number three, Laurence Her now driven DKR engineering machine, reaches Hotel Corner, turn three, through the left-hander at four, and now Camp Corner being negotiated enjoying a 4.1 second lead having to be careful as they reach the Mistral straight though to stay right and avoid Maurizio Mediani's snail pace Ferrari so now we're looking at Stevie S potentially for the podium in car number that's not 51 Stevie S drives that's the, the 83, 83 doesn't he Scuderia Viola Corsa car that's up to fifth place now but obviously should be able to overtake a few of them that are parked up in the pit lane for two minutes. I'm just checking, make sure all of our penalised cars are making those stops, and my feet monitor is that they have. And we'll check their pit stop times as well. Now, the loosest racing car of Mikkel Mack is already back out on circuit with the 51 supposedly the first to benefit because of these two-minute penalties up ahead, but it can't. So actually, are we, are we going to get all that movement in the top three that I predicted? SPS, big winners in all of this. All of a sudden running in second place in the 54 Mercedes-AMG that Dexter Muller started and Yannick Mettler has taken over. Yannick is a silver-graded driver by the FIA. And that car is due across the line at any moment. I should say, Lance Herbie, meanwhile, has been setting fastest laps in this race. 150.987 was the last one around. He's already done... 150.742 though and he is making good his escape helped by this battle behind him but knowing I'm sure there is still a possibility that something is hanging over that car too Duncan Tappy still with Adrian Truyate to overtake he sense if the Brit can get in front of the Frenchman he will start to edge his way up the road and towards Laurence Hur that Lannan Racing car has looked very swift indeed, particularly with Duncan Tappy at the wheel, but Mikey Benham's gaining speed every race as well. They were race winners, let us not forget, last year at Le Mans on the Saturday morning. Through the kink at seven and back onto the Mistral. We're edging towards 30 minutes left in this crazy race with a couple of safety car interventions. Then basically half the field pinged for... Uh, Ignoring a red light at the end of the pit lane. 12 cars. It's uh, it not quite off the field, but it felt like it when you read them out. <laughs> a third of the field. Oh, and there's some debris there being picked up by one of the cars, which is broken into a million pieces at senior corner. Let's hope that's not going to cause anything untoward later on in the race. So Ben um, Tappy taking a slightly different line through Bose, the double right corner, than Truier up ahead. Nicolas Schatz not done with this battle either in car 39. He's just tucked in behind in fourth position. And Colin Noble taking a watching brief. Having, uh, there's a message on the screen now about that debris on the Mistral. Yep. So it's left-hand side. It's ended up on the left-hand side after it was churned up by this quartet. It's in Monaco now, I think. <laughs> I one of those. Yes. 
Yes, indeed. So they may have done the marshals a job there in clearing it. A Ferrari coming down pit road. That's Maurizio Mediani finally getting back to the pits after the tyre went pop a lap ago. But it's a lap that's taken him over four minutes. It's their race ruined, I'm afraid. It's been an unusually attritional race, hasn't it? Yes, it has, yeah. I think that's, I mean... Part, partly due to the fact that we've got more cars than last year, so the potential for incident is greater. How slow will that lap have felt? Extremely Actually, slow. It's, it's five, five minutes and 26 seconds it's taken, Mediani. I was reading the wrong line. He's just got to his pit stall now. Yeah. We will hope there's no further damage to that car. They'll jack it up and just check underneath, get the wheel off. The, the new wheel's going straight on. Now they're checking... Brake discs, calipers, the, the inner wheel arch is going to come free as well because that had worked its way loose. Just check the wishbones are still intact, but I think it was just a puncture and nothing more. Here's Duncan Tappy with a great run on Adrian Trier down the Mistral straight. He's got Colin Noble not very far away as well, and he gets the place, that second position for Duncan Tappy, leaving the two Graf cars. Noble, watch, watch, no, sorry, I was looking at the second Graf car. Noble got... Uh, Tucked in behind the lapped Ligier behind there. Uh, yes. yes, I was wondering who's in that Ligier, but it is a card that's not on the lead lap. So Noble also in a Norma M30, and he's about a second, 1.1 seconds behind this scrap, but didn't caught, catch the traffic brilliantly well into senior corner that time. It's going to be a one-minute stop and go, meanwhile, for the green decal car uh, for causing the collision with car 12 at turn 14. That was the incident that eliminated the Euro International car, Jim Lippmann. Number five currently is in eighth position despite all its woes. Yep. So that is going to cost them time. It's going to put Naj Hussein back ahead. Meanwhile, by the way, new fastest lap of the race goes uh, to Matt Bell, uh, recovering from that two-minute stop and go with a 150.735. I would hazard a guess an extremely pumped-up Matt Bell. I think so. And we often see some heroic stints from the man from the northeast of England. Once he gets his hands on the United Order Sports car, number 22, he's racing this year with Jim Maguire. Three United Order Sports cars in the entry. Rob Hodes, Garrett Grist and Nad Hussein and Wayne Boyd being the others. And that's a bit of good news for United Order Sports. A bit of bad news for United Order Sports is a drive-through for number 24 car, Nad Hussein, oh. for overtaking under the safety car procedure. This has been wacky. No, I don't think I've seen a race like this. It's it's like you know a brand new day back at ter a new day of term, isn't it? At school, and uh, everyone's remembering what they have to do. Yeah, so you're called back into the assembly hall for a good long talking to. I think they might be at the end of the day. Yes, this will not have impressed Eduardo Freitas at times. There's been some great racing. There's also been some off-track moments, some spins which we could have done without, and couple of safety cars as a result of those moments too. Looking at the pace of Mikkel Mack and what he can do if anything about second place car, I think the uh, the lead car, unless a penalty comes the way of Burn and Brake car, is beyond his powers in pace turns we'll keep an eye on that gap to the SPS or Automotive Performance AMG gap at the moment is around 30 seconds with 27 and a half minutes to go Michael Mack is quicker, but not quicker enough to do that on pace just yet. It's going to require a little bit of help from the car ahead. Duncan Tappy, meanwhile, 
fastest lap of his race so far, not quite as quick as Lampeur. 6.67 seconds is the gap. But what has Lawrence Hurt done with his tyres with 27 minutes to go? That's another yeah. thing to consider here. We have seen those things drop off a cliff towards the end of these races. Meantime, the DKR car number five does take that uh, penalty, as does Naj Hussein. They are eighth and ninth overall. Should put Giacomo Puccini ahead of both of them. New fastest lap in the GT3 category last time around from Mikkel Mack as well in the Lusik Racing Ferrari. So the 488 is motoring now following that uh, pit stop. The stop and go for two minutes pit stop, that is. So 71 still could be on for a podium. And is Yannick Mettler within catching distance? Well, 26 Close. minutes to go. Mettler is silver. Mikkel Mack is gold, but uh, I don't think the pace is... Enough of a difference. He needs, he needs help, basically. Yeah, well, he needs there to like be a safety car. <laughs> yeah, yes, he needs there to be an issue ahead of him. Yes. Matt Bell, meanwhile, has gone by the SPS car. He's up into 11th position. Yeah. Well, look at Max going the right way around about it at the moment. 43 laps done, and the gap is 6.8 seconds now between Lawrence Burr and Duncan Tappy. Adrian Schiller disappearing into the mirrors of Tappy as predicted. 1.7 seconds is the difference. Fairly busy final corner for the two Graf cars there, running now third and fourth, Truier ahead of Nicolas Schatz. Some slight concern, by the way, about the current pace of Colin Noble. It's not exactly slow, but he's dropped back from the two Graf cars. Yeah. the further fastest lap of the race as Lord Herr realises there's a potential threat from Duncan Tappy and... Pulls out to the tune of 0.8 of a second, 150.499 that time around. 45, 25 minutes to go. And on pace, Lance Hur appears to be in the driving seat here, literally and figuratively. Uh, no further action, by the way, for the instant between the 88 and the 30 at turn 14. He's slightly surprised by that, but. Mightily impressive, though from Laurence Hur, who did a full season last year in a Norma M30. That was with CD Sport. And Laurence, 21 years old, from Gerlingen in Germany. So still very early on in his racing career, having come out of Formula Renault to be part of the Michelin Le Mans Cup paddock. Yep. Next car, by the way, I think is going to make a positional change. Looks like uh, it's the seventh-place car, the number 11 racing experience car, started by Charlie Martin, who... Uh, had a really good run. The fumbles. But uh, we've got... Uh, which of the Hauser brothers is that? Um, yes, good question. I because did, they are I think it's Gary. The, yeah, I think Gary it's Gary isn't it? Yeah, and David, David, possibly for Monza. Yeah. All three names are on the roof of that car. They are. Uh, so it kept us guessing to the last possible moment. But yeah, Gary Hauser, the man from Luxembourg... Uh, for a Luxembourgish team, racing experience was always on the entry list to join Charlie Martin. If you think you know that name and uh, you're keen on watching YouTube videos, the likelihood is you've seen David Hauser attack one of the fabulous Central European airplanes in a full house GP2 car because you will have seen that, and uh, that means that Mr. Hauser Senior. He's one very quick boy, and I think his brother is not a lot less quick because he is 
getting on to terms with the number 30 CD Sport car. This is that battle, and I think he's going up the outside to take position. He does. And moves through. Oh. Very wayward indeed, though, for the number 30 car of Kyle Ball Bassassant, the CD Sport car, nearly lost the back end there. And that was simply, I think, being offline into one, where all the marbles are, there's no grip whatsoever, and the car very nearly didn't turn left at turn number one. So Kyle's going to have to be pretty careful through the next few corners as those Michelin tyres are cleaned up again. Very easy with hot, sticky Michelin tyres to run over the marbles, pick up lots of pick up and have zero I mean it's like then driving on ice for the next few corners further fastest lap of the race from Lance Hertz trims another 7,000 from his best 150.492 is now the mark drive through comes the way of car 3 for overtaking beyond the track limits that is the leader there you go well that was under investigation and the team manager was summoned you may remember Gray mentioning two and that is the result. Well, it can't take a drive-through on this lap because it's already well beyond the pit lane entry. But Laurent Her, who leads by 7.7 seconds, is going to have to come down pit lane for a drive-through. And that explains why we've had the pace we've had from Laurent Her. He's trying to do what he can, not just to fend off Duncan Tappy, but to do what he can to reduce the damage of that uh, drive-through. I think they knew that was coming. Yeah. Car 55, meanwhile, is in trouble on the mistral so the message getting through to the young German to go as fast as you can 55 is off the road this is the spirit of race entry of Claudia Sedanovic and Michele Rugolo who is at the wheel right now so Sedanovic started that car that's trouble at the left rear isn't it can't get back to the track for whatever reason now is that deliberately staying off track and I think we're about to see the penalty for the number 8 car that we're expecting Ah, the 229 uh, pit stop because car 8 busy time in race control hasn't it you know I think the reason why they've only just got to this shorter pit stop than the regulations so I think it's been in their in-tray for about 45 minutes but they've had far bigger fish to fry with cars crashing and spins and all that sort of oh what's this left here oh yes pit stop it's a bit too short by about half a second so that's going to be reviewed but we have Kessel Racing Ferrari up to 8th place now and I don't like the look of that somehow for Giacomo Puccini no I think that is going to be a drive through for them I think they may well still be okay for the race for the race win do you if it's a drive through only I think they've got enough in hand it's close but I think they've got enough in hand. Well, that just shows what a good combination the defending champions are, Sergio Pianazzola and Giacomo Puccini. And they didn't make the mistake at pit out. That's, the, that's yes. the, been the key, key point here. Hink, here comes number three car, cruising down pit lane, and through to take the lead is going to come. Duncan Tappy does so, and convincingly so. So it's going to be 20 minutes. In fact... Hurt is going to drop to fifth position with this. There goes Colin Noble. So up to fourth now for Colin. Laurence Hur rejoins in fifth, as you rightly say. And the orange car emerging over the top there is Stevie S. Over the horizon of the main straight for Scuderia Vilba Corsa. So I thought Vilba Corsa might be on course for a podium, but probably not, depending on the extent of the penalty, if indeed they get one. Kessel Racing, number eight. 
So Ferrari from SPS Automotive Performance Mercedes and then the other Ferrari of Lucic Racing completing the top three at this stage. 20 minutes to go. And Duncan Tappy for Lannan Racing on course here for victory now, enjoying a four-and-a-half-second lead. He's already overtaken Adrian Trier. So you probably guess Trier's not got the pace to catch Tappy. Nicolas Schatz has been troubling his Graf teammate for pretty much all of this stint. And Schatz again quicker down the Mistral, caught up about a quarter of a second, oh. RLR off the road though, and RLR off the road in a big way on the exit of Senior that's, Corner. That's Tom Olsen. So the car going wide, wide at Senior. Oh, power down and across the kerbs. And although that is higher friction asphalt, it's not going to slow a car working its way towards a concrete barrier. That was a clunk, wasn't it? And that's it? a big incident then for the... RLR car, which I'm sure is out of the race as a result of that. Hopefully, Tom Olsen. Yeah. Got his hands and feet away from anything that's going to do any harm there. But again, recovery of that car, although it's not in you know kind of the vicinity of another incident necessarily, because cars tend to go out wide on the exit. That, that, Tom Olsen. That's, that's excellent. Fabulous news. news Tom yeah. Olsen out of the car and well enough to jump over the wall but what's going to be the decision as far as the caution is concerned because if one car can do that then quite clearly another one could do and it's in a tricky spot well the, the main concern for Eduardo Freitas is the man in the car is out of harm's way the key is can you do that locally well there are marshals on the inside of the track they, but they will not be sent over the wall clearly. to intervene with the car without some So form. where's the flatbed is the next thing. Is it anywhere on the inside of the track or are they all stationed on the outside? Yellow flags remain at turn nine and this will give a chance for everyone to see where the car is positioned and obviously no overtaking into... It's actually not senior corner, it's the approach to Bose, the double right-hander there. Graf cars getting pretty close to one another again. This is for second and third then with Adrian Truier and Nicolas Schatz about enormous uh, length apart. And behind them, Colin Noble has, underneath his rear wing, Laurence Hurt in a battle for fourth position. 0.4 of a second between those cars, 0.3 of a second between Truier and Schatz and Colin Noble. Uh, yeah, he's being monstered here by a recovering Laurent Hurt. So can he hold back the orange DKR engineering machine? Nicolas Schatz looking slightly less racy this time through the left-hander at Gondor. It's the intervention ah, yeah. crane on its way to the site of the accident. Yeah, that was a Manitou or similar, it was. wasn't it? So not a flatbed required, a straight lift instead. And hopefully that means we don't need to go full, full course yellow. The recovery can be done, um, as I say, if it was on the outside of the bend, it'd be more dangerous. But because it's the inside and the approach to turn nine, less likely for a car to go spinning there. I wonder whether or not they'll put it under double yellows to allow just the vehicle yeah. to do the uh, execute the tow. That would certainly make sense. If it's towable. Well, the damage at the rear suggested perhaps it might not be, and it might have to be a lift as the battle between Colin Noble and Laurent Hur then continuing for fourth position. Laurent Hur having to come into the pit lane for a drive-through after he uh, completed an overtake whilst off the track. If this is going to be an overtake, that will be in his mind, I'm sure, to stay within the white lines. Don't really want to do it there into camp corner because it's a real pinch point. Far better to try and set up a good opportunity down the Mistral. Yeah, Colin Noble knows all about Lawrence Hurt. These two did battle all through last season. 
Noble liking the switch to the Norma. Had more time behind the wheel of an M30. That's true. Full so course Rogers yellow is coming. Ah, and okay. it will coming in 10 seconds. 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Full course yellow. Full course yellow. I will be recovering the car at D9 with a money tool. And the Manitou, as we said, was already in position, so it will now lurch forward with everybody circulating at the speed of 80 kilometres per hour. This is effectively like a virtual safety car, therefore, and the design of this is to try and retain the gaps that we had before. So you're not bunching the field up, all you're doing is speed limiting them. Was there an incident coming out of turn two for the GT3 leader? That was the, the run into the full course caution so they're all counted into that there was a little bit of overlap for the race leader Giacomo Puccini there is Tom Olsen's shunt once again and uh, happily if you missed the shots that followed that Tom able to vault over that wall in pretty short order so the Dane father of Christian Olsen um, is seemingly basically okay less so the leisure I'm afraid well, it's certainly good news that uh, Tom was able to get out of the car under his own steam. I'm sure there will be a medical, medical car very close by to getting back to the medical centre for some precautionary checks. Everything done by the book, quite rightly so, here in the Michelin Le Mans Cup, with now just 13 and a half minutes to go. I'm sure we'll get a bit more racing. The question is exactly how much. It might be something like a seven or eight minute dash to the flag here. There's... There's one thing I would ask you, and I did just spot something here. It's the manner of which, the moment at which that's happened, Colin Noble somehow is seven seconds ahead of Lawrence Herr. Now, did Lawrence Herr anticipate the full course yellow, or did Colin miss the call? It's a good question. They were tenths of seconds apart prior to the full course caution, and it did seem like, well... Looked to me like Lawrence Hur slowed down. Slowed down. And maybe, Colin maybe didn't. Maybe didn't. Now, they are given a short window, but it's not that long a window. Yeah. And what we don't know is whether or not and what delay there might be for race control into our ears. A uh, good point, yes. And we were calling it as if that was a live uh, broadcast, and it may not be. It might be slight, slightly delayed. Um, Let's wait and see. Uh, Lawrence Hur was approaching the incident itself, whereas Colin Noble was beyond it, I think, as the countdown came to a finish. But I'm surprised to see such a bigger gap between those two. Gap coming down, by the way. Right. And obviously it's, it, it's deceptive because we're at 80 k's rather than racing speed. So it's not, a, in reality, a 5.8 second gap, but the bigger. point I'm making is that if the gap is coming down... Has one, he of them is, his mistake. one of them isn't doing 80Ks. True. So it may well be that he does realise his mistake and is trying to rectify that. that. Yeah. True enough. Uh, now a pit stop for car 51 under investigation. Now that oh. was the Ferrari. Well, what's happened there? Well, is that is that a wheel car from the 51? The wheel. No, car, car seven. Car seven lost the wheel. Which is Roberto Pampanini's Mercedes. Oh dear! And that has happened on the run into Garlebon Corner. So out of Tombor, uh, the left-hander, and it's now stationary on the run towards Turn 13, I reckon. Maybe a bit further around. 
Well, is there anything else that could possibly well, happen in this race? Sort of a meteor strike or perhaps a celebrity appearance. I'm not quite sure what else we're going to see. It's <laughs> absolutely amazing. Tom Olsen's number 14 RLR Ligier now being stretched away. A sorry sight it makes. The wheel that fell off Pampanini's car has been retrieved. That's good to see. What was up with the 51 pit stop then? Because uh, they put Christoph Ulrich back at the wheel. So Mediani, I mean, he need not do his full drive time because they're going to be nowhere as far as a result. So why not put your bronze back out again for a bit more experience and track time? Uh, so Team manager, car seven, tell your driver not to leave the car. Team manager, car seven, tell your driver not to leave the car. Was the 51's pit stop that's under inquiry the one where they changed the wheel? There's the wheel uh, detaching itself from Roberto Pampanini's Mercedes, though. It had already started smoking before it decided to fully break free. And is that a faulty wheel nut or just operator error, as in it wasn't put on correctly during the pit stop? It's been on a while. I, that's what I was thinking. Because if they... I don't know when they pitted, I have to say, because I've not been concentrating on GT3s in and around that area. But you have to think it was done somewhere in the 55-65 minute pit window. Here's one of the, uh, the quad bikes, and this one will tow, albeit on three wheels. So Duncan Tappy leads the race. Don't worry about the five behind him, because that car's not on the lead lap, being Cencetti after Maratiotto's uh, exploits in his stint. So Marco Cencetti for DKR Engineering, actually 10th. Adrian Truier being shown as nine seconds adrift that will obviously concertina her up once we get to racing speed again and there's only nine and a half minutes to go it would be good to see what was happening there because it looked to me like he couldn't tow it on the quad bike yeah well you'd have a job because the mercedes is missing a wheel so therefore all the balance is in the wrong place and it's going to be scratching the uh, the brake disc along the ground i'm sure i should think but at the end of this one Eduardo Freitas will be having a good long glass of port. <laughs> I think it's just cobwebs from the winter period. <laughs> People forgetting. I mean, going through a red light, for goodness sake. The danger is, of course, the car at the very front of that queue does it. And you think, I'm, oh, I'm just brilliant. Does, it doesn't apply to us. Absolutely. Uh, that's for the other direction of traffic. Oh, now no, we've got it. Okay. OK, so the quad bike is now uh, getting some forward momentum into that Mercedes, number seven. But yes, for, for 12 cars to go through a red light... Well, how close back behind each other? What that's you're seeing the is the back of the car. Are, are you going to be... I'm, uh, um, I'm sure... You know, your I will line speak, of sight's going to be out, isn't it, as you say? I'm sure I'm going to be speaking to 11 drivers, all of whom feel terrifically hard done by. Who was the first? Who's one who's massively sheepish? That's going to be one of your jobs at the end of this race. Who was at the front of the queue <laughs> to, to pull off the misdemeanour first? So... Car 7 will be behind that barrier. I don't think it'll be very long before we're back to green flag racing. It will be under eight minutes by the time we do get there. We go green at 58.30. At 58.30, we go green. 30 seconds from now. Right, so that will mean seven and a half minutes of racing and a good lap time under around here is a one minute 50 for an LMP3 car. So four more laps. seconds to go green. Here we go. To, to decide the first race of the season for the Michelin Le Mans Cup. A pretty much new look Michelin Ten, Le Mans Cup with nine, a, a hatful of eight, new GT3 cars seven, and a great entry six, in LMP3. Five, Watch the draft cars behind three, them. Watch the Nielsen two, Racing Car, the DKR one, Racing Car. Green, green. Track is back to green. Here we go. Who's getting the better start then between Ad 
Adrian Truier and Nicolas Schatz. Will Schatz force the issue heading into the right-hander at senior corner in the background? Loros hurt already by Colin Noble. He's got no speed at all in that number two car. I think Colin Noble is going to be telling us after this race he was driving around the problem at the end. Maybe the car stuck in gear or he didn't have one of, one of the gears available to him, but zero drive. Car just didn't pick up at the restart. Unless he's got radio dramas, of course, and cannot hear... Because uh, if he didn't hear the run into yep. um, the That's full course, you know what? Great call. Just a guess, but uh, you know, people probably frantically waving at him from the barriers, going, "Slow down! We're in a full course caution." And then he didn't get the message to restart either. That would answer it. I'm not saying that definitely is the issue. A one-second stop-and-go penalty for Car 8 for not respecting the minimum pit stop time. That is the GT leader. We it was it a while ago, didn't we? It was 2 minutes 30. They did a 2.29. It might have been even closer than that if we're talking points of a second as well. I think he's going to be OK. Um, just looking to see. I think he's got enough. I mean, one second is literally getting the car to a stop and getting going again. So... Uh, Hopefully, it's not too much time lost for the number eight car, but there it is, down the Mistral. And confirmation on your screen that it's a one-second stop-go penalty for the GT3 leader, Yannick Mettler, who's been pedalling very quickly indeed. And the new to the championship, SPS Automotive Performance Mercedes, to see if they can wrestle a win out of this, but I do think it's going to be just out of their grasp. It has been a completely bonkers afternoon, hasn't it, for the Michelin Le Mans Cup? Crazy, absolutely crazy. I mean, it's been pretty crazy in the G in the LMP3 category as well, uh, along with GT3s. So out of the right-hander Garlebon corner comes the number eight, Giacomo Puccini, champion last year with Sergio Pianazzola, and into the pit lane then comes Puccini now. There's the marker board that indicates the start of the 60 kilometer per hour uh, pit lane limit would be well to do 60 k's through that right and left flick and into their pit box stop for a second and go again and they were pretty casual there so maybe they don't think there's any risk of him losing the lead i don't think i think he's remarkably okay here all right well the car's going to rejoin now and I'll probably tell you from our little track map where car 54 is. It's in a gaggle coming out of turn 13 now, I reckon. Uh, no, it's way behind. Actually, 54 is over at turn 5. So we've got a significant margin here on everybody else. You were quite right with your prediction. Uh, Colin Noble, by the way, five seconds back now from where I heard. That is not on pace. That has got to be a problem for the number... I'm going to check the number two. of that car, the number two car. Yeah, it's it's been seven. renumbered. I, I always think it's seven as well. But car number two for Nielsen Racing, fifth position. And where is Gary Hauser? 16.8 seconds further back, lapping at the moment quicker than Colin. So that is not a well norma, we reckon. Whether it's an electrical drama, gearbox related, perhaps, who knows? We'll find out at the end of the race. Laurence Hurt fancies a podium finish here and he's lining up the two graph cars that stand in his way. Three and three-quarter minutes to go. Certainly the chance to pick off one of them, and possibly both. They've been duking it out in this inter-team battle. 
for basically the last bit of the stint after they emerged together, Adrian Truyer and Nicolas Schatz, focused on one another, have they focused on the orange and black car now looming large in the mirrors as Schatz went for a move there at senior corner. And out goes Goodness her again, me. he's not done again, he's again, he's taken a position off the track. Yeah, and surely, having learnt his lesson from earlier on, will concede that, just needs the opportunity to do so, could, could do it on the main straight, he does it and now. has done it, so there the lesson go. learnt, there you go. You can calm down again now. Just a touch, for the moment. Well, so, something else what that has up. done is it's pulled Jacks away a bit from yes. Adrian Truier. So now that they're separated, they might be a bit easier now to that, overtake. Fact, I'm going to be totally fair here to Lawrence Hurt. The second graph car got massively crossed Out up of there. shape, yeah. And I think he did well, actually, to avoid the back of him. That was a run of avoidance rather than a deliberate overtake manoeuvre. Two minutes, 40 seconds to go. Over the line they will go onto this lap, and then there'll be one more. So how far up the order can Laurence Hur get? He's going to break much later than Chats into Verdi corner, this the left and right. I'm reminded by my Daily Sports Guard colleague in the press room, Stephen Kilby, that uh, throughout this week, the uh, Nielsen Racing car has been suffering with a misfire. OK, and presumably, well, even if they had managed to solve a bit of it, maybe it's it crept back. back in again. They're very difficult problems to fully iron out. A massive irritating with your Huge, of course. You know, extract the pace out of the car. Maybe slightly pumped up spots when it came to this one. Yeah, well, that's uh, rightly so. He wants to win races and, uh, you know, got there eventually last year. Was it, the la- was it last year? He won twice, I think, in this, this, in this, uh, this, this category, yes. Well, they know the feeling of the champagne on the top step. Nothing else quite will suffice. Graf, Graf, and DKR, your battle for second, third, and fourth positions. It is eight normas at the top of this race right now, and the ninth car isn't Ligier either because it's a Ferrari. Yes, and uh, Ligier with some thinking to two between now and Monza then. There's not a lot that can be done. No. Um, because the Norma is a newer car, it's very svelte indeed down the straights, slightly heavier and therefore a bit more bruising on the tyres, but that hasn't been borne out in this two-hour race, albeit some of it's been affected by safety car, so we haven't been at full race speed throughout, but it does seem like if you've got a Ligier chassis this year, you're going to need a little bit of luck from a safety car or an incident that goes in your favour. 50 seconds to go, the leaders will cross the line this time and the last lap is now indicated on our screen because Duncan Tappy, 6.1 seconds clear of this second-place trio, is now circulating on the Paul Ricard circuit for the final time, on course for only a second victory in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Last lap for this two-hour race. Well... Don't be able to do anything about this. I'm not going to bet against her this stage. He's got to go, isn't he? Certainly. And, and here it goes. Go. Oh, that's dangerous. That's... Very dangerous at turn five because the person you're about to overtake can't necessarily see the dive at that last Sorry. minute. Uh, no, no. <laughs> well, in a single seater in a Formula Renault where Lawrence Hur has come from, that is definitely a manoeuvre you can pull off because they're about half the width of an LMP3 car. Wasn't there, was he? He was sort of halfway alongside that car. That will be looked at again. It's not for us to make the decision. However, he won't concede it. 
I mean, why should he at this point in time? He's up into third place and has Adrian Trurier up ahead in car number nine to maybe get by as well. Me Meanwhile, too. Duncan Tappy playing the traffic very nicely indeed. He's got a couple of Ligiers between him and a rampant. Uh, Laurence Hur is off the track again. Uh, trying to get as close as he dares to Adrian Truier. Yep, and uh, Duncan Tappy cruising home at the moment the number 25 car. I think this is their first win in a two-hour race in the Michelin Le Mans Cup with this combination. Uh, and for Duncan Tappy, for Mikey Benham, for Glenn Johnson and the Land Racing Team, and as we heard on the grid, for Chloe and Charlie, mm. it looks like we're going to get a new winner in two-hour format for the Michelin Le Mans Cup. 25 car in the hands of Duncan Tappy comes home to take the win at Paul Ricard round one of the 2019 Michelin Le Mans Cup I hope Chloe and Charlie have paid attention for the full two hours we'll forgive them if uh, they drifted away for the middle part of the race but came back I'm sure to either see the chequered flag Mikey Benham utterly ecstatic at that Duncan Tappy doing the hard work over the line in second position Adrian Truier racing with father Eric Truier in car number nine and Laurence Hurt for DKR Engineering winning a rather third position uh, from the good spot that, that car qualified in Francois Kerman took that uh, car into the race from pole position so they won earlier on in terms of pole and Laurence Herr converts it into a third place finish where, where might that have been had he not overtaken off the track and there are a few other question marks I have to say around about Laurence Herr's drive uh, by the way fastest lap of the race on the last lap of the race goes to Matt Bell uh, with a 150.258 steer clear of Matt after the race because I think he's going to be very, very, very bumped up mm -hmm. um, in 11th position overall, 10th in LMP3 for the number 22 United Autosports car, Najee Hussain by the way I think that may well be Najee's best results in well, this obviously this year, but last year as well ninth overall in the 24 car for United Autosports and that is the first Ligier home car goes by the Ferrari, the Kessel Ferrari on the, the last couple of laps there Yes, yeah, so perhaps no surprise that the best two Ligiers in the race are run by United Autosports, seeing as they uh, help other Ligier customers to obtain their chassis, they are the main agent in the UK and Europe I suppose for Ligiers, UK. UK, the UK Ligiers, yeah. okay, so uh, for UK teams, that's the team that you go to and they to finish in ninth and 11th places Hussein and Bell Yannick Mettler's home in second place the SPS Automotive Performance Mercedes third position going to Lusich Racing and Mikkel Mack in the 71 they had dramas as well having to stop as part of that big clutch of cars that were given two minute stop and go penalties for going through a red flag and the colours of the French tricolour are now flying from the marshals, conveniently, there is a blue, a white and a red flag in order to fly. So that's perfect for Paul Ricard and our opening round of the season. We don't get a Michelin Le Mans uh, Cup race in the UK, so we can't just rearrange the marshals to do it properly with the uh, <laughs> colours. No, we can't. There's a very, very happy Mikey Benham. I like a happy Mikey Benham. Happy Mikey Benham is a good Mikey Benham. There you go. Well, this is conjuring up images of Le Mans last year and the Saturday morning race that Benham was able to win I think he wanted Duncan to stop there and give him a lift down I the think pit he lane did. but he's having to peg it down to the bottom now where the scrutineering tent is and that's where Duncan is being instructed to drive the car in fact not to proper scrutineering instead to the box that's been arranged below the podium and Duncan Tappy about to clamber out and the, uh, it will be just the two race winning cars so the Graf car has been told to go around the back to scrutineering. 
Yeah. Slightly disappointing for Adrian Troyer. I think he was looking forward to his moment in the sun there. <laughs> Instead, he's going to go to a tent. Laurence Hur also going through the gap between the two pit buildings. And at some point, puffing like a traction engine, is going to emerge Mikey Benham he'll here. Go, he'll uh, yeah, uh, arrive in frame uh, and be grateful of a drink of champagne in a moment or two. The number eight Kessel Racing Ferrari of Giacomo Pacini and Sergio Pianazzola starting their Michelin there World Cup season. Uh, just as they left off last year, the Kessel Racing guys win a championship and then they win the very next race out. Here it comes, the number eight, into position underneath the podium. Underneath the new media centre, moved this year from its traditional position. Yannick Mettler in second position, so well done to the two driving the 54 car. Dexter Muller deserving credit with a podium too. And in 71, it was Mack and Fabian Laverne, a real superstar in qualifying, but it's Andrea Bacini doing a wonderful job and congratulated by the team. Kessel Racing going from strength to strength. They've expanded their programme. They now have cars in the European Le Mans series. But this, is, this was their way into the 24 Hours of Le Mans for 2019 by winning the 2018 Championship. There's Sergio Pianazzola, Andrea Pacini and Pianazzola with a hug and also for the team manager as well. And a couple of Michelin caps to go on top of the heads of Andrea and Sergio. Not just Michelin caps, but the much prized Michelin winner's caps. There you go, yes. All the more important. And some memorable photographs being taken as well. Is that yet another Puccini? I bet it is. <laughs> Probably in karting. We'll see him in a GT runner in about four or five years' time, potentially. Right then, it is Lannan Racing who take the first win for Michelin Le Mans Cup. Let's hear from the two boys. Lannan Racing are celebrating and they've got to make a flight so there's going to be a quick interview. Duncan, I mean both of you, that was a race full of so much going on. Yeah, really. But you, uh, you did it. Well, um, yeah, it had everything, didn't it? Um, safety cars, full course yellow. I mean, when, when I got in the car, I couldn't quite work out where the DKR car had gone and then bang, this big orange thing's in the mirrors. Um, but then I got balked by a Ferrari and he went off the track to overtake, so I'm thinking, OK, maybe he's not going to keep that. Um, but it was, there was never a dull moment, really, until, until the full cost yellow at the end, where just finding out information, seeing who was where, and just trying to keep it all together to bring it home. So, what a job for this man, eh? No, it certainly was. What a way to start the season. Yeah, no, fabulous, fabulous. Uh, it's definitely, uh, definitely Duncan's win today. I was, uh, couldn't find the pace myself. Fair play to Adria and to, to Eric. They were quick with me today. Good for them. Uh, the sort of uh, the safety cars went our way today. It'll be their day another day, no doubt. But yeah, wonderful to have the win. Full hand to this man. Yeah. Mega job. Can I, can I just say that um, thank you to the team, Graham. Yeah, really. Really, just put an amazing outfit together. We've we've got a new engineer on the on the on the table along with Graham this year with with Lewis. I uh, worked with him at Bentley, and uh, he's just really helped us this year. So thank you to everyone. Well done. You'd need to get up to that podium. Thank you. Enjoy. Michael Benham, again, almost in tears as he was at Le Mans last year and uh, very gracious, saying, do you know what, it wasn't really my the ideal stint and uh, every credit to Eric and uh, Adrian Truyer. Uh, a reminder of the results then, 5.3 seconds the deficit from Tappy to Truyer at the flag. Laurence Herr for DKR Engineering in third position. Nicolas Schatz fourth, makes it two cars 
in the top four and Nielsen Racing finishing in fifth. Kessel Racing though, it's another win after a championship last year. Well, Kessel Racing, it was a great um, job by you, but um, you obviously knew when to come into the pit lane and when not to. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's, it's a dream race for us, you know, so I mean, at the beginning it was quite tough for both of us, so both stints, but then uh, after a few laps the car uh, was much more balanced, so I think uh, we both did a very good job and we are very happy to be here. This is a fantastic way to start the season. Uh, so what to say? I mean, let's party tonight because I think it's a magic day for us. Stop and goes, red flags, I mean, uh, safety cars, lots going on, but uh, you managed to bring it home. Yeah, yeah. It's every time the team did an amazing job, Sergio did a great stint. You know, he was really close to the, to the first position. And then, luckily, we managed to overtook them uh, in the pit stop. A bit of luck, of course, but a, a great team job as usual. Yeah, thanks, Sergio. Thanks, Kessel. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Deborah. Thanks to you. Congratulations. <laughs> I have a special dedication to make it because there is. A, you have to know that we are a big family, and uh, there is a newborn just a few days ago. So, uh, I mean, uh, we have a, a part of the project that is here, but his wife is in Paris. So we want to dedicate to Deborah Meyer and to Maximilien this fantastic victory. They're not going to name it Paul or Ricard, no? Uh, yeah, of course, <laughs> in the Paul Ricards, yes. All right. Thank you. Goodbye. Uh, Deborah Meyer, as uh, Sergio mentions, um, racer at... Uh, she's the, the team chief, is she not at Kessel Racing? Uh, no, is that's that? Tatiana. Tatiana is the name I'm thinking of. OK, so Deborah, Deborah Meyer has actually done some racing with Kessel Racing, so GT that's Sports the connection. Club? Yes. In the yes. Plan, yes. There we are. So that's, what, that's who Deborah Meyer is. Well, c- and congratulations. congratulations to her and the family. Endurance Racing is a worldwide family. It's great Certainly. to see and hear that. And We've gro- already heard from Mikey Bennett about his kids. And growing. And growing. Even in the last few days. Sergio Pianazzola, you heard from first of all. And Giacomo Puccini, the second voice there. And he brought the car to the chequered flag. Kessel Racing run by Tatiana. Uh, have been in the GT3 world for many seasons now. But a first visit to Le Mans as a Kessel racing car will take place this year. Highlights from the last two hours. Well, where on earth do you start if you're cutting these pictures? You might as well just replay the whole race. Four abreast at times down towards the first corner. We've become accustomed to that, and particularly when you get 30-plus cars on the road at the same time. An early incident for Keo Racing, a half-spin on cold tyres. There was also then some contact. Well, no, contact avoided, actually, between Mikey Benham and the Graf Carras. That machine made a move up the inside. That was Eric Trouillet from memory making the move. There was definite contact for the Krypton Motorsport Mercedes. Unfortunately, retirement on the spot, and the BHK Motorsport car didn't go much further either. Smoke started to appear at the back of that car a few laps later. Big incident for John Showerman, leaving the final corner of the track backwards and into the Armco barrier. That was a big shunt and a violent manoeuvre for the car. Thankfully, John seemingly OK after that and was able to at least climb over the, the Armco barrier under his own steam. That was the BHK motorsport machine uh, retiring for good. JM Lippmann and another car. Uh, it was Maritiotto, wasn't it, in the DKR engineering car coming to grief at turn 14. Pit stops happened aplenty. Uh, one or two really tweaking the strategy and actually pitting earlier than we had expected, but as per the regulations, that's absolutely fine. As long as neither of your drivers breaches the 55-minute minimum drive time. 
Alessandro Piccani left broadside in the 88 Porsche across the track at 14 for a brief spell as well. The Graf cars put on a great show. Laurence Hur as well overtaking, first of all, Nicolas Schatz, and then he was able to pull a manoeuvre on Adrian Truier. But Truier and Schatz then provided a really good show to the chequered flag. Laurence Hur, at least with one overtake off the track, he did have a penalty to pay because of that. This was him taking the stop and go, or at least the drive-through, for that manoeuvre, which happened at turn 11. And Duncan Tappy finding his way to the head of the order as Laurence Hur returned, rejoined in fourth position. There was contact made at uh, turn five between him and Nicolas Schatz, where that move wasn't really on. And Duncan Tappy heading out of the final corner, untroubled with his five-plus second gap at the end and over the line to be received by an ecstatic Michael Benham. So Benham and Tappy become the first winners of the 2019 Michelin Le Mans Cup before we head to Italy in a month's time. And also congratulations must go to Giacomo Puccini and to Sergio Pianazzola, who take another win in the Michelin Le Mans Cup after winning the championship in 2018. Here come Dunkey and Mikey. Dunkey? Mikey? Duncan and Mikey to take the top step of the podium, combining the two names there. You can use that, lads, if you want. And we will hear the national anthem of Great Britain for Lannan Racing. Here's a strange bit of uh, motorsports um, kind of trivia for you. Go on. Second we'll win. Second win. First yeah. time they've heard the national anthem. Because at Le Mans, you may recall, they played the wrong song. They played oh, Rue Britannia. <laughs> did they really? They did. I'd totally forgotten that. And I'm not even sure in the commentary booth. Well, yeah, no, you were in the same commentary booth as I was. So uh, you must have heard it. And it was went straight over my head. Oh, well. They were, the correct record has been selected this Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Trophies then too. No, no, Laurence Hur yeah. in the DKR engineering car, along with Francois Kerman, who I think should get credit for uh, his opening stint. That astounding. was very impressive, wasn't very, it? Very, very. They are going to be a force to be reckoned with, without yep. a shadow of a doubt. Eric and Adrian Truier standing to their right, and in the middle, Mikey Benham and Duncan Tappy. And I should tell you, by the way, I would have put money on them having to cede that second place to their teammates. And that was a brilliant second uh, second r- run to the flag from Adrian Trulier. Yes, yes, when he rejoined the race in fifth position, uh, albeit behind a stricken Colin Noble, whose number two car certainly wasn't at the races at the end of that event. And he might not have been getting the calls as well for the full-course yellows, we're not sure. But uh, a delayed reaction into it, a delayed reaction out of it, and then a misfire too. There was plenty going on in that cockpit for Nielsen Racing. And you'll see Mikey Benham and Duncan Tappy will not want to hang on too long. They're keen to take uh, take up the advantage of their easy boarding down at uh, Marseille Airport. Don't want to give that one up. True enough. First on the bus. Yeah, good point. And uh, some late flights back to the UK, so why not take advantage of that so they're not hanging around. So, Michelin Le Mans Cup back with a bang in 2019. And there's plenty to look forward to if we've got a season 
like that in store. I can't imagine every race from now on will be that exciting and that incident-packed. Unfortunately, a lot of teams taking some broken racing cars home with them this evening. And we don't like to see damage when it can be avoided. Well done to Landon Racing, who stayed out of the mayhem and are victorious. Moving to GT3 then, and let's get the top three onto their separate podium, waiting to be called the guys from Lucid Racing, car 71, Mikkel Mack and Fabian Leverne at the front of the queue. And they're now being asked to inch forward steadily in these very smart race suits for 2019 as well, the all-red with the white trim of Lucid Racing. So to the far side for the Swiss squad, Michael Mack from Denmark, Fabien Leverne of France. Another great performance there, Fabien Leverne I thought was standout. Yeah. SPS Automotive Performance, winners in GT Open last year uh, in the Pro-Am category, and this is their first venture into the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Well, rather oddly, both those teams uh, won the titles in ah. GT Open last year. Okay, so Yannick Mettler and Dexter Muller are the drivers in SPS. Great to have a new team as part of the GT3 category, but the win goes to the familiar names of Sergio Pianazzola and Giacomo Pacini in their Ferrari 488. It's Kessel Racing and therefore the national anthem of Switzerland. So there's your GT3 podium after two hours of hard racing with a couple of uh, caution interventions, a full course yellow, safety cars, stop-go penalties, as Louise Beckett said, that, that race really did have it all. And Giacomo Puccini and Sergio Pianazzola somehow kept their heads cool. I suppose having experience of this championship really did help. And they had good speed across both drivers too. Second place going to SPS, the third position to Luskis Racing. So two new names to the championship, already a podium to their name, which is great to see. Sadly, a non-finish in the end for the Mercedes that lost the wheel of Scuderia Viorba Corsa, but we did manage to get seven of the ten GT3 cars to the finish. Champagne is sprayed, and that a cracking start to the year, I hope you'll agree. We'll head to Monza in Italy in a month's time then for round two of the Michelin Le Mans Cup. Thoroughly enjoyed that one. My thanks to Graham Goodwin from Johnny Palmer. Stay with us for ELMS tomorrow. Bye-bye for now. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMans.com.